The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Con Air. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm chilling, man. What are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking a nice, cold, light beer. Very nice. Also joining us- you got us, water, too. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta stay hydrated, fool. There you go. There you go, yeah. Mugga is also here with us today. Uh, Mugs, how you doing? Special K, I'm doing good. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, some Merlot. Seven okay. Eleven's finest. There you Set go. Home. Don't you have an empty tall can right next to it as well? It's debatable. Okay. Uh, it's, I see it right there with my two eyes. <laughs> Also joining us today is Bling. What's up, Bling? Hey. Hey. <laughs> what are you drinking today? I am drinking Golden Road Mango. Coffee. Wait, it's a Sunday and he's actually drinking? That's yeah. a first. No Arrowhead water or yeah, gotta Starbucks? Loosen, gotta loosen up today. I'm so go. proud of you. Yeah. And uh, finally joining us today is Holly. Holly, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a grapefruit truly. Oh, sounds truly Best delicious. Thank you. I see what Honestly. you did there. Thank you. Truly. We already started off. Yeah. So today we're talking about Con Air. Yes, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> Cannot wait to do this one. <laughs> today we're talking about Con Air, released June 6, 1997, produced by Touchstone Pictures, Jerry Bruckheimer Films, and distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. It stars Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi, Ving Rhames, Cole Meany, Michael T. Williamson, Rachel Ticotin, Monica Potter, Dave Chappelle, and Danny Trejo. It's directed by Simon West, who directed The General's Daughter, Laura Croft Tomb Raider, and The Expendables 2, and written by Scott Rosenberg, who wrote Gone in 60 Seconds, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Venom. Army Ranger and American hero Cameron Poe returns home to civilian life with his pregnant wife Trisha, but all that goes to hell when he's attacked by drunken lowlives and kills one of them in self-defense. Poe spends nearly a decade in jail for this act, but eventually gets released to reunite with his family for good. Unfortunately, there's only one thing standing in his way. He just happens to be stuck on an airborne prison transport, and the convicts have taken over. Before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? So this movie costs, um, let me see here. I thought I had it. 75 million. Is it 75? Yeah. yeah. Um, 225. It made around, t- I got 224. Did you round right? Well, yes. I got 224. Um, domestic, 101. Foreign, 123. So that was kind of um, interesting. It made more foreign. Opening weekend, though, it made 24 million. was number one. It went against Lost World. Uh, Austin Powers, the first one. Uh, Fifth Element and Liar Liar. However, none of those were on their opening weekend. Oh, okay. So it did well. It was number one box office, $24 million the first weekend. Do you want to know where it ranks among Nick Cage movies? This is debatable on how many Nick Cage films have been made. I've got around 58. Do you guys have any number of that? I mean, it's a lot of movies. Um, this ranks number eight of all time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, National Treasure 2 was his top one so far, okay. grossing. Maybe. National Treasure 1, number three. The Rock 4. Number five, one of his best, Ghost Rider, right? What? Another oh, Disney movie. God. No, it's awful. I'm just saying. That's like how that got Sony. number five. Sony. Sony. Oh, I thought that Vegas. was on the Disney contract. No, that's, Sony had the rights to Ghost Rider at that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so I'm wrong on that. Face Off with number six. Another movie, though, that I really like by Nick Cage, Lord of War. This yes. one, only 29. 
How is 29. Gone 60 Seconds not? It's up there. It's not above number eight, though. Well, about, it's up what, there. What though. about Leaving Las Vegas? He I don't, I don't have that. I didn't have that. that one, so. Yeah, but I mean, box we're talking office. about, we're we're talking talking about, about box, box office. office. Yeah. It did make money, 75 to make, 225, 4 million, debatable. We're going to stay on that. So it was successful, but but yeah, it was successful opening weekend and all that. But yeah, that's what I got. Jason, why don't you tell us uh, what uh, the people thought of this movie? So I looked up IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So IMDb had it at uh, 6.8 out of 10 with over 253,000 reviews or votes. So I don't know, I was putting it at a 68%. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter had it at 55%, so 55% of people liked it. I got a 5.7 out of 10 with 65 reviews from critics. Audience scored it at 75% with a 3.4 out of 5 with 417,000 votes. So, so audience I, liked it more than critics. Yeah, right? which is yeah. which is typical. Usually, yeah. But, I mean, this is a pretty big disparity. I mean, there's 20% difference. It's yeah. Usually it's a few percentage points, I feel like. But I agree with more of the critics. But. Well, you would. Uh, I, I am a member of the audience on this one. I think so. Yeah. 70. Yeah. The rest oh. of Come on, time. man. It's, it's, like a, it's like a C plus. C, like a C. It's not bad. I mean, if anything, you got to go with the IMDb one because it's at 6.8. So we're kind of right in the middle. Uh, okay, I'll meet you halfway, but I'm not giving it a C. You literally just cheered to the heavens for this movie. Cheered? I did, I did yeah, not. Yeah, I said, we're doing Con Air, and you're like, yeah! We had to change out your mic because you broke it because you said it so loudly. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember this, Mike? Okay, moving on. You kicked a chair. You moving kicked on. a chair. <laughs> you, you threw an infant of off the balcony just now. <laughs> so, I mean, in short, I, I feel like the audience had it right here, but... We'll get into that. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Don't even start. So getting into behind the scenes. Um, so this movie is directed by Simon West, and it's actually his uh, feature film debut. Uh, before that, he had done commercials for McDonald's and Pepsi and other major brands. But his most notable production work was for Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up yeah. music video. So if you've ever been Rick Rolled, you're familiar with Simon West's work. Yeah, it's his fault that movie's on YouTube. I honestly think that song should have been in the movie. It actually won an, oh no, it was nominated for an Oscar for the song that they had though originally. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah, song so definitely they, they kind of got that right, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the idea for Con Air was actually based off of a, uh, a real prison transport system called the Justice Prisoner and Alien Transport System, uh, also known as JPATS. It was formed in 1995. Writer Scott Rosenberg actually went on a few flights for research purposes. Well, I mean, Scott Rosenberg also did Armageddon. There's something about Mary gone 60 I, seconds. Yes. This was, this was Jerry Bruckheimer's first for, movie. I have after that too. Don, Don, Don Simpson. Dad. Don yeah. Simpson, because yeah. they, they disagreed on this movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, they no, disagreed, but I also like heard. Severed ties with yeah, they Don severed Simpson. Ties. Do you know why they severed ties, though? Because Don Simpson liked prostitutes and coke oh uh, yeah it was a big drug problem i think that's what it was oh, like yeah. they had done some great movies i think top yeah. gun days no, of had, thunder so they had Flashdance, beverly hills cop top gun days of thunder um they worked together they did 11 movies together but don simpson was like unmarried loved prostitutes loved coke and jerry bruckheimer was like the bad they like they compared it to like a dysfunctional marriage and bruckheimer finally was like no then mm. we're done and then a couple weeks later, he died of an overdose. Donald oh, Simpson. he didn't. He died after this movie was like being made, or after they severed ties. Well, he died in 1996. So before this movie yeah, was so released, before it came out. Oh, yeah. wow. So they. I yeah. mean, but I know that they just. Dis- the, there was like speculation that they disagreed on this movie because Don Simpson thought it was stupid, and Jerry Bruckheimer was, was probably like, right. "Let's go." I think. I mean, based on who's still here, we know who was right. So. Ouch. <laughs> Rest in peace, Don Simpson. R.I.P. Yeah. No, but Don Simpson, yeah, he died of 1996 of a drug overdose, but there was like a turbulent end. But Jerry Bruckheimer had finally come to the end of their partnership. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Jeez. 
dramatic on air. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's pick it back up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, so the part of uh, Cameron Poe, played by Nick Cage, actually wasn't supposed to go to him. Um, he was actually in stiff competition with a bunch of other action stars at that time. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone, and Steven Seagal were all considered for the I role. have all those guys. Can we just take a second and talk? Would anyone have been, done it better? I think you can cross off Schwarzenegger. I, I don't think, think I, I, I hate the accent already. Now you put that accent in. I don't. I think, Arnold with a mullet? See, we're not even, you know, but <laughs> I, I, Van Damme, this might have been a great Van Damme no, movie. I Van think, Damme and Stallone. I could I'm easily Stallone. see you doing this. But yeah. Nick Cage, I think, was writing, like, he had done a few movies. Like, this was his period where he was just coming out with movie after movie. He had already done The Rock. He did The Rock. Yeah, yeah and some he other did ones. He Las Vegas. He yeah. Was a, he got his Oscar. But he, I think he was now becoming that action star 90s no, guy at this time. No, but I think this, this was the time in Hollywood where there was a shift between, like, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the Jean-Claude Van Dams, the Stallones, who were like notorious action figures. And now there was this shift in Hollywood where there's these dramatic actors now taking action roles. So mm. you think of like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, which came out like- 99, the, I think. 99, yeah. like two yeah. years later. You think about like Harrison Ford doing like US Marshals. Like you're now taking these dramatic actors and making them action stars as opposed to people who are notoriously action stars. Like mm-hmm. Nick Cage won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas and now he's being an action star. Right. So they're getting him out of his dramatic roles. So so I think it was a shift at that time of like Keanu Reeves doing Speed and then The Matrix. And yeah, and then you had Tom Cruise doing uh, Mission Impossible. Like right. you take right. a dramatic actor and throw him, you know, into so the So it's fray. the shift of like these million dollar action heroes. Now you're taking more like better actors, better quality actors yeah. and making them action stars. So. I- I'm glad they didn't do Steven Seagal. Have you guys seen a Steven Seagal so movie? Oh, oh man, they're, they're just, it's in, just in violent. And, yeah. and, and but it's the he, same he, plot yeah. with just a different setting and a different costume. Yeah. yeah. All black so. suit for Steven Seagal, every single movie, or 10, I don't know. <laughs> um, so portraying Poe as a Southerner from Alabama was actually Nick Cage's idea because they have a strong sense of chivalry when it comes to women. He even went so far as to spend a ton of time in Alabama to perfect his Southern accent. Here we I go. Dear Casey. I don't... Dear Casey. <laughs> Dear Hummingbird. <laughs> I'll be coming home soon. So he's trying to have an Alabama accent throughout yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. He's from was yeah, it rated. Did you guys think he did a good job at this Alabama? See, I can already. I mean, you can't see us, but Holly's cringing her teeth right now. It's. I mean, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't like Forrest Gump's Gump accent being, was better. You know. I think Tom Tom Hanks studied his craft a little bit more, and I think Nick Cage kind of played up to stereotypes of Alabama. But it was at parts it was really painful to listen to, but then at other parts it was. When he wasn't speaking, it wasn't so bad. When he's in like normal conversation, he's like this soft-spoken, slow-speaking kind of southerner dude. But it's just like he's supposed to play this like army ranger, badass action dude. All his dialogue is like delivered the same. It's always this slow drawl. And I'm like, you're in a plane that's on fire. Like you should pick up, you know, the the speed on your voice. You literally have mass murderers pointing a gun at your face. Yeah. And he's just like, you're just like. Put the bunny back in the box. Uh, yeah. Speaking of his idea, the bunny was his idea from what I read. I yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's like, like he was like, hey, I got an idea, guys. Let's have the bunny be a focal point of this whole movie. Yeah. He wanted like, it what to be. What the fuck? Uh, he wanted it to be symbolic of the pain and loss he went through for being too good at protecting his pregnant wife and getting thrown into prison. That's why the bunny's in the movie. <laughs> Jason's, Jason's <laughs> face is priceless right now. <laughs> <laughs> the more you talk about the bunny, the less I'm liking it. You mean the more I, you want to put it back in the box? <laughs> kind of. Stop. Stop. 
I just think it, it like kind of played at your heart a little bit because you're like he's been in prison for eight years and this is like the best he can do for his daughter and it just kind of makes you realize like what being incarcerated does to a family. That's the way I took it. I didn't think of it as like. It just happens you know. to be a bunny, so it's like I don't know when you when you say the line like put the bunny back in the box. Yeah, it's hilarious, but it's like what was he supposed to say? He says it more than once. You well, should he's have trying to emphasize, like, just put it back in the fucking box. I mean, even yeah. John Malkovich says, like, uh, doesn't he say, it's like, nobody move or the bunny gets it? Oh, yeah. he does, yeah. yeah. And then that helicopter yeah. comes out yeah. from the background. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it's cool if it's supposed to symbolize something, but they play with that thing so much to the point that I can't even take it seriously. But I, I get it. It's I, a pink I, bunny. I yeah. get it why it's in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Also, you know, go along with the cast, John Malkovich wasn't the first choice to play Cyrus the Virus either. Other actors considered were Gary Oldman, Tim Robbins, Ed Harris, William Hurt, and Kevin Bacon. I thought that was like written for John Malkovich, though. No, no. no it was written for was John it? Cusack and then uh, uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know they wrote, they had Steve Buscemi in mind when they wrote that character. Yeah. Cyrus yeah. the Virus wasn't written yeah. for John Malkovich. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just John, Just John Cusack's character. But yeah. I, thought, I thought I read that Willem Dafoe and Mickey Rourke also auditioned for Cyrus. Oh, did they? Yeah. I, I, I think the Cyrus the virus. Yeah. I, I thought John Malkovich nailed Cyrus the virus. He's the best character. He, he did regret taking the role, though. I, I did read that. He had like an interview well, afterwards. He, got, he regretted taking the role. I mean, when you see his line of work, and you, he's more of a dramatic actor. For so him. you're saying the movie sucks? No. no. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. No, I read that he was frustrated just because, just because production just kept changing it. Like, you read behind the scenes, and it's like Dave Chappelle improvised most of his lines, or you read that you know they were constantly changing characters based off the actors and I, w- I read that John Malkovich was just frustrated because like every day they were rewriting the script and he was getting frustrated but I think that that's like kind of communicated in his portrayal of Cyrus the Virus that he's frustrated and he's angsty and he's like at his wits end and it escalates throughout the movie and but I loved it. But I think he read that line the sigh Anara. Anara. And we'll get to and that. And he was like, where do I sign? <laughs> I, I mean, would you? I would. That's a great line. It is. That is a, a wonderful line. Top five Ser- lines. Seriously. might be top five seriously, lines. Seriously, it's a great line. Have I ever said Sigh. anything on this show Anara. that is not serious? I don't think Kerwin knows how to joke. That is not serious, serious right Kerwin there. does not know how to joke. I'm not smiling right now. He has now. a serious face on whatever. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> uh, Danny Trejo is also in the movie. He actually made a podcast appearance on uh, the movie review podcast, How Did This Get Made? And he says that on set, it was just a giant pissing contest between everybody there. Um, it was the biggest test of testosterone ever that he'd ever you know, witnessed or been a part of. Everything was a contest. Everybody was trying to do more push-ups than the other person. He even says in the interview, um, if you happen to spit on set, somebody would show up and try to spit further than you. Like That's how much of a testosterone contest was going on there. And during the interview, he actually uh, says some things about John Cusack. He says that most people in Hollywood don't know who the actual toughest guys in Hollywood are, but he can tell that John Cusack is one of them. And he said that John Cusack just has a little something in his eye. You know, he has something in his eye that makes you think that he could, if he wanted, like kill you or hurt you or kill somebody. See, you you told me this before, and Holly, as you just said, that switched her head, like what the heck just happened? I find it weird that Danny Trejo is the uh, the guy in Desperado right. is the one that's saying I'm actually afraid of John Cusack. Yeah. Like out of all the guys, I would think there's no way John Cusack is the John guy that's the feared. hardest person on and that he, side. Yeah, yeah. About John. So Cusack. speaking he of was in serendipity, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking of serendipity as we're saying this, and I'm like, there's no way, and that's why my head did that. Yeah. So speaking of John Cusack, though, John Cusack actually trained in kickboxing for over two decades and has a six degree black belt. 
and he's actually trained under uh, Benny the Jet uh, Urquidez, who's a world famous uh, kickboxing champion who has a record of uh, 49 wins, two losses, and one draw. So John Cusack actually has trained, and it was actually um, Urquidez, who I think is a, a childhood friend of Danny Trejo's, who kind of let him know, like, hey, you know, you don't want to walk up to these people. And he's a lethal weapon. Yeah, like. Like apparently John Cusack is a, just a huge so badass. The, the, uh, the Steve Seagal biopic is going to star John Cusack now, or what was that? I don't want anything related to Steven Seagal out there. He didn't like Under Siege. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe that gets. Okay, there you yeah, go. Right. Wait, time out. Can you hear the cars in the background? Probably yes. Should we close the garage? Uh, it's hot already. I don't think we need to. Okay. It's kind of hot. Um, and then um, the funny thing is, Danny Trejo also said the same thing about another actor in Hollywood. Uh, he said George Clooney has that same look in his eye where you don't know if you can actually push this person. Cupcake George Clooney? And I just lost all credit for Danny Trejo. Right? Like, he's I like scared. I mean, Danny I don't... Trejo is the hardest motherfucker in Hollywood. Hey, if, in Desperado, like, that Danny guy Trejo was the shit with, with the knife. Yo, if Danny Trejo says to look out for John Cusack and George Clooney... I'm, I'm, just nev- I'm like never talking shit about Batman and Robin again. John Cusack a great movie, with a yeah. boombox <laughs> over his head outside a girl's house. Like, yeah, say like, anything, John Cusack is going to kill you in a second. Okay, but you try holding up a 100-pound boombox over your head for 20 minutes straight. I mean, think about it. True. Yeah, you got to be ripped somehow. You need a physique to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> An iconic physique, if you will. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Um, never ends. Conair, um, unfortunately, somebody actually died during the making of this movie. And he's actually credited at the end, right? Yeah, yes. they dedicated yeah. the movie uh, uh, to him in so his memory. So I, I just read that the plane, because he was a welder, I yeah, think, he, was or, a welder. he was doing, and it just fell on him and it crushed him? Yeah, I think he was on the special effects team, and he was uh, working on one of the, the airplanes that were there. Was it the Is same it, plane that they rode on, like a replica of it? I think so. Yeah. yeah, like it fell on top of him while he was working on it, I think. Um, yeah. So he passed away. Uh, his name was uh, Philip Schwartz. Uh, he was 39 years old. Unfortunately, there's another Con Air-related death that had occurred, I think, uh, 14 years after the movie's release in 2003. So the same jailbird plane used in Con Air's flight scenes was actually sold to a company called All West Freight. Um, in 2011, that same plane crashed into Alaska's Denali National Park, killing three men on board. I did read that board. too, yeah. yeah. So. This, is, this is movie's plague, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Whatever, though. Man, we really got to stop ending on these downers. Jeez. <laughs> oh, they do have a bunny. They got a bunny. <laughs> All right. Speaking of bunnies, we're just going to hop into the next segment. Um, <laughs> get into, uh, you know, one of the scenes, uh, more notable sequences, you know, the plane landing and crashing on the Vegas Strip. Um, there actually was a real plane crash into a casino. The Sands Hotel was actually about to be demolished. So the filmmakers convinced the owners to let them crash their plane into it before scheduled demolition. I think they postponed it like two weeks, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Do you um, know where it was originally supposed to crash? The, the White, White House. House. The White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, which makes total sense geographically, by the way. Because we're, no, it doesn't at all, is what I'm oh, saying. This like... movie sucks. Okay, because <laughs> like, they were over in the whole Western. That's yeah. Oh, I was like, does it? Yeah. But, I mean, you never yeah. know with Mugga. Like, it right. could make sense to him. So, so question, do you true. think, if this plane crashed at the White House, how would you feel about it? Like, if, this, if the ending of this movie ended up in Washington, D.C.? How would you feel? They'd have to explain how it got all the way out there because they're on the whole western side of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole plan is to go to what Lerner Airfield. So they did, they just left Lerner. They're trying to get to Alabama. 
But I, no, okay, but I know. he got convicted in Alabama, didn't he? I thought and that they weren't going. To, I thought the actual plane was not going to Alabama. No, no. It, my understanding was that the, the, there was this this new penitentiary that that's where they were transferring all these. No, I know that's where they originally were going to go, but so then they, they, they hijacked. They went to Carson City and yes, they went to Lerner, Lerner Airfield, Airfield. Was, uh, and they were going to take that and go down to South America, Correct, from what yes. I remember. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so my thing to, is, how the hell do you get all the way over to DC? You see what I'm saying? That would have not made that that whole... In a plane. Get out. Okay. You know what I'm going with this. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think Vegas makes more sense. It makes more sense from a geographic... Yeah. Yeah. But, Bling, you said the way if you actually look at the route, it doesn't still make sense at all, like where Lerner is or supposedly... Yes, because if if you're saying the the film originated in Oakland, it went to Carson City, which is... Nevada. Yeah. uh, Then you go to Lerner, which is like... That's Arizona. Lerner's Arizona. Lerner's... Because they said, well, didn't they say it was no, in the middle no. of Arizona? Middle of California. No, middle of California. Th- that, that, that decoy plane got sent to Arizona. But when you look at the map that John Cusack is pointing at, he's pointing at the, like, the middle of California. Oh, wow. So that's why, yeah, the, the, the decoys, they, got, they were taking, I guess, a trip to Arizona. That's why they got you know, sent the other direction. Yeah, Carson City's in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, yeah, that, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Speaking of that whole sequence for the plane landing on the Strip, they actually built a 250-foot uh, miniature of the Vegas Strip that they could use to have a model plane fly through and crash, do all of the explosions, etc. And they also composited that with actual footage of real cars and extras on the Strip uh, reacting to said crash and, you know, kind of merged them together. That had to be an editing nightmare, don't you think? I mean, every film does that. Though. Yeah. Like, look at I, I'm impressed by that when I watched the making of that scene. Like, the way they built it, it's, it's pretty cool, you know? But And then they actually took the real footage. Mm-hmm. But you can't have the same cars at that moment that time I don't know I, I, I think that would have been it's, it's impressive that they pulled it off you know well, I mean it's I think that technique has kind of been around for like a while no, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but it, it was really cool to see that they did that I, I did appreciate that when they had the plane fly because they actually had the plane flying over Vegas at one point and the helicopters and stuff that like Las Vegans were like getting really really freaked out oh really and started calling the police they're like what the hell is going on over <laughs> this and I know they went back and shot a lot of it in, in the in the miniature that they built but they had to have some of the footage of them flying this plane smoking helicopters behind it but it's right over the strip where they got some of those shots but Las Vegans like they were driving on the road saw this going on and got really terrified. Oh, yeah, I would freak, I out. Would, I would freak yeah. out too. I was like, yeah. what the heck is going on? It's like a, when SpaceX launches stuff. And yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you just see like a giant tampon in the sky. Like, I'm pulling out of Farmer Boys. I think the rapture's happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it was terrible. just SpaceX. You got the fried zucchini and you bounced, right? I was like, holy. And I was like, oh. yeah. I was like, this is it. God take me now. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, make me a bird. <laughs> so I can fly far, far away from you. <laughs> This movie, you know, rap production, of course, but uh, there was actually, uh, you know, a couple people involved in the production actually expressed interest at doing a sequel. Uh, one of those people being director Simon West, who in 2014, in an interview with Screen Daily, said that he wanted to do a sequel slash remake of Con Air. And uh, he said, quote, I would do it if it was completely turned on its head. Con Air in Space, for example, a studio version where they're all robots or the convicts are reanimated super convicts or where the good guys are the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys. Something shocking. If it was clever writing, it could work. End quote. I'm still confused on what that all means. If I was, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't take it like the robot angle, but if you were like shipping convicts to Mars or if you were like shipping people away, like I could understand that perspective. Isn't but, that like a jail up in space that the or something? Yeah. Aliens? <laughs> Or Aliens yeah. 3 or is 2? Is that part 2? Well, it's like how we two, used yeah. to ship convicts to Australia. That's like when you they... just ship them to another planet. Yeah, that's literally the plot of 
one of the Alien movies, isn't it? But my th- uh, might be Resurrection Part Four. Oh, you're right. That is Part Four, right? Yeah. yeah. Resurrection. Yeah. But so this I mean, like, was not announced that. like after the success of Con Air. This was like relatively well, like five years ago. No, yeah. 2014, yeah. and the movie came out in what 97. So they just thought, oh, like years let's later. redo Con Air and let's do it this way. I mean, I don't. I don't know why they would even do a sequel. I would think they would. This is a film that they could easily remake. Yeah, I yeah. think a reboot would be way better. A remake. Way better. Yeah, and do it in yeah in space. I I'm totally down to watch that. You could have different kinds of convicts, different species. Aliens robots. are out there. Yeah, everything. I think that would be really cool. I don't know. Yeah. Give Dark Knight run for its money. You think? Well, Aquaman already did that. So. <laughs> and it's funny that he kind of mentioned wanted to do a movie in space. You know, most of the movie was filmed in Utah, and he actually chose. The director, Simon West, chose that location because it looked like the surface of the moon. Yeah, I've yeah. read that too. So he, he likes space. I don't know. Something going on there. Yeah. So get into kind of like the music aspect of the movie. Uh, this movie does feature a lot of songs. One of them being How Do I Live. Nominated for an Oscar. Nominated for an Oscar. Also nominated for Razzie for Worst Original Song. And that is a terrible nomination. But I think it doesn't even appear on the soundtrack from what I read. Yeah, it it's doesn't. one of two songs that aren't on the soundtrack. Really? Yeah, the other one is, uh, what is it? Uh, Sweet Home, Sweet Home Al- Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner, and then uh, and those this are the one. two most prominent songs within the movie, which yeah, is yeah. interesting. But no, so I was researching this before we got here because I remember the Trisha Yearwood song came out, and my parents listened to country music. But I remember the Leanne Rhymes version mm-hmm. on like like pop radio, mm-hmm. and so I was I researched it, and like apparently at the 1998 Grammys. Both of them were nominated for best female country performance for the same song. Mm. So it's like super awkward. Like, cause I I remember the Leanne Rhymes version, and that's a, the version that you have in your head when you're listening to it. Like, and you're like, oh, this makes sense. Did either one win it or Trisha Yearwood won? <laughs> so it's the weirdest, the weirdest <laughs> thing. So like Leanne Rhymes was like on the adult contemporary charts, the pop charts, and then Trisha Yearwood was on the country charts, but they were both nominated for female country vocal, best female country vocal album, and Trisha Yearwood won. For the same song. Well, it's funny because um, that song was originally written for Leanne Rhymes specifically by Diane Warren, um, who actually had like nine songs that have been nominated for Academy Awards. Oh, she's a G. Yeah, so she has like nine nominations. I don't think she's actually won, but she's like a pretty, you know, she's like a heavy hitter when it comes to that stuff. The song was written for Leanne Rhymes specifically, um, but because Disney thought Leanne Rhymes was too young, I think she was 14 at that time. Mm-hmm to kind of sing about the subject matter in the song. They re-recorded the song with Trisha Yearwood um, and adopted like the country western sound because they felt that fell in line with the movie's subject matter themes. Chivalrous tone. Yeah, the uh, the Alabama South. And um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's kind of how that happened. Regarding the original score, um, is actually composed by Mark Mancina and Trevor Rabin. Uh, between both of them, they had worked on Bad Boys 1 and 2, Armageddon, Speed, and Tarzan, for which they won an Academy Award, along with Phil Collins. And I think Mark Mancina actually had to leave the production for some reason? Yeah, he had to leave uh, conflicts with, he was doing Speed 2 as well. So I think Trevor Rabin took over and finished the project. Okay, gotcha. Speed 2. Cruise Control. Cruise control. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys ever see that one or no? I did. I never is saw that. The it, one on the, is that the one on the cruise ship? Yeah. Quick okay. thoughts? Good? It's yeah. not better Zero. than the first one. Yeah. No. It's not good at all, actually. It's horrible. It didn't have Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it had Sandra Bullock, though. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe. They tried. Nah. Try harder next time. <laughs> all right. So let's get into our experience with this film. Holly, why don't you tell us about your experience with Con Air? Oh, so my experience with Con Air is when it first came out in 97? Yes. We were 
nine, Kerwin and I. Everyone yes. else here was entering college. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, Jokes, huh? No, no. All right, cool. no, I just, I remember, it goes back to like the Forrest Gump thing of like my dad rented this because it looked like it was entertaining for his type of entertainment. And I remember my mom not liking it. Um, but I watched it again yesterday and I was kind of going through the analysis of it. It's it's entertaining. I think it's a great movie as far as entertainment value. Um, don't think it holds water in 2019, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think I love this movie. I can't help it. I mean, if you had to say one thing why you love it, what's the reason? It's entertaining. I mean, we'll get to your treasures. It's, no, but, but I mean, it's 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 an hour and 55 minutes and I think it doesn't feel like an hour and 55 minutes. Like It does in, go fast. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like a two hour movie, but it doesn't feel like a two hour movie. And that just shows that you're entertained most of the movie. Like mm-hmm. you're not captivated on like, I've been sitting here for almost two hours watching this movie. Like it just flows. It's entertaining. Okay. I like it. Cool. Bling, what about you? What's your experience with Con Air? So Con Air, I actually saw in theaters. Really? Yes. I uh, was a sophomore in high school. Jesus. It's rated R. Jesus. How'd you get in, babyface? So I, <laughs> it was a film I actually wanted to see because it was kind of riding on that success of Nick Cage um, that I was having in the 90s. Uh, when I saw the film, though, I did not recognize anyone else in the film. Like, the only people I recognized was Nick Cage and Cole Meany, just because he played a, a transporter chief on Star Trek The Next Generation, but I did not know until seeing this movie that, you know, a young Dave Chappelle was in the film, uh, John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi, uh, Ving Rhames, such a great cast in this film. No, I agree with you yeah. on the cast, yeah. Yeah, so once seeing this film, I got introduced to all those actors, and then later on, I know that they, you know, be big, big actors in some big films. So I, I enjoyed the film, a lot of action, that's my thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my experience with the film, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I do remember seeing it on TV. You know when USA used to have marathons yeah. and just oh, action yeah. movies? Or TNT, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, TNT, USA, TBS, whatever. Um, so I remember watching that, and then I didn't see that movie for the longest time. The last time I saw it before this podcast, uh, me and my homie Justin, shout out Justin, we actually uh, went to go see a live review of it in L.A., so we actually like watching the full, took notes, and then I just had a great time watching it. I thought it was super cheesy, super '90s, and uh, gotta love the Nick Cage hair. And uh, no, yeah. you don't. The Nick no. Cage long I, hair, the long hippie hair. Yes. Uh, oh, you gotta love it, man. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jason, what's your experience with this film? I think my experience is similar to yours, Crow. I, I I watched it on one of those, you know, Saturdays where they run a bunch of movies on one of those cable channels, probably TBS or TNT. And I think this was probably the first Nick Cage movie I saw. I'm trying to remember. I you mean, you see was, The Rock? No, I definitely saw this you before see The Face Rock. Face Off. Well, Face Off came out, I believe, the the, the same, same year. year. Yeah. So uh, this was definitely the first one because I remember seeing this and be like, oh, this guy's pretty good. I remember seeing Garland Green, uh, Steve Buscemi's uh, character, being completely freaked out. And then I remember seeing Face Off relatively soon after and becoming a big Nick Cage fan because mm-hmm. I, I mean. Personally, Face Off was a little bit better than me, but still Con Air was like probably the first film I saw Nick Cage in. I loved the action, and I loved, I don't know, I, I really like this movie personally, but we're going to get into why Mugga doesn't like it. I can already see him making eyes like he's, uh, he's, he's rolling them right now. But uh, yeah, I think it was like one of those lazy Saturdays. I was a young kid. Cartoons were done. Uh, my mom really liked the movie, so she turned it on, let me watch it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So. All right, cool. All right, that's it for experience. Uh, let's get on to the next. Uh... Oh, you got something to say? No, I got nothing. You guys okay. know where I stand. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you tell us? Kerwin, yeah. I guess. I, <laughs> I guess. I guess we let can... him give his experience. All right, all right. I, I'm with Bling. I... Thanks, Mugs. And uh... 
<laughs> you, it whatever. doesn't matter what you're doing. <laughs> I, I'm with Bling. I, I, I was a huge fan of The Rock, and I'm on that whole Were Nick Cage. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. And I'm on that whole Nick Cage is an action star, 90s, and I did watch Face Off. I, ned, I did not watch this movie in the theaters, but I was anxious to watch it. Watch it. And at my grandparents' house in San Diego, we used to always watch movies. I believe this is where I first watched it. As a family, we all got together, I'm sorry, and watched this movie. And I just was appalled the first time he started talking at the beginning, the accent. And I just walked out like I did not like that movie at all. How old were you when you watched this? I I think I was in high school. I want to say it was probably sophomore year. I don't know exactly what it was. And you were appalled the first time. I I, I just didn't like, I I thought he was stupid. I thought the bunny was, I I don't know. I just, I remember loving. You think it was stupid or did you think it was cheesy? it, it was definitely cheesy. We okay. can all admit that. I just, I don't know. I just, to me, like, I look at Nick Cage and the Rockies, great. You know, I loved Face Off. We had watched that prior, but I just did not, I don't know. I did not like this. I couldn't buy into it. I okay. I know it's got a great cast, which is one of my treasures. We'll get into that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just couldn't, the whole landing on Las Vegas, all that happening. It gets into my trashes, which I'll be brief because I'll get into it more. That scene with the little girl was, I mean, that was, I, I, did, I hated that scene. Like, I hate that scene. And oh, I think maybe because of that, right? which we'll, I'll, I'll get into more why I hate it. But creepy, yeah. Yeah, and to me, I'm like, what the hell is going on, you know? And, and I just, everything about, I was like, I don't care to ever watch this movie again, you know? And that's yeah. what it was. Well, you did, so. Because oh, you made me. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of did. So let's get into Trash or Treasure. Holly, what's your trash or treasure with Con Air? Okay, so I'm going to always start with a negative and end with positive. So my trash is kind of following on your tail. So I have three trashes. One is the scene with the little girl because it made me physically sweat watching it. And you're an English person, philosophical. What is the meaning of this scene? Like from what I grasped of it and what I took from it is just like, like Steve Buscemi to me is, is probably one of my most... I think he's one of the best written characters because there are times where he says the smartest stuff in the movie. Like what his whole like insanity thing is, is working 50 hours behind the test. That Leonard Skinner line. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Like the whole, what is, what is irony, you know, listening to a band when they all died in a plane crash. Like he's insane and we can agree that, but he has moments of just like deafening sanity that you're just like, wait, is, is he crazy or am I crazy? Like, Mm. because that's some real shit that he just said. Um, but I think the little girl scene is just to make you believe, because my, my heart fell to my butt when I watched that scene again as an adult. You think he I'm did like, something bad when he walks with a doll, huh? Yeah, and you think yeah, no, 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 and you're meant to believe that. And then all of a sudden, when the plane's taking off and the little girl's waving mm-hmm. at it, I think it's to make you believe that like people can change. All right, maybe? so I, there is something about that. Okay, um, if you don't mind me, no, bringing no, it up. hop all in. Right. So. Um, there, there was a lot of talk online about if that scene with the little girl is real or yeah. if he's hallucinating it. Yeah, people question it in like a dirty swimming pool. Yeah, and- but it's 100% real. So the girl is 100% real in that scene. You might think she's not because she's the only civilian you know you see at that time on the airfield. The first person being the dude that's killed at the air traffic tower. The second guy you see at the gas station when Nick Cage uh, rolls underneath that truck or whatever. Oh man! But at that time, you know, you just see a little girl playing in a, a empty swimming pool, etc. But she is there. She's real, and other people live there because right behind them is a trailer park, and there's fresh laundry hanging out. Uh, in between all the trailers, but then where are the parents at? I mean, well, that, that's that's yeah. the thing. I oh, think no, I think a Caucasian it was just, kid. Where are the parents? No. Yeah, oh, it's just <laughs> it's an it's an abandoned or you know scarcely used airfield that the people who operate 
just happen to live at. Okay, so and, that's, and, that's and, why. and there's explosions that are going on, and no parent comes out to see where their kids at. Oh, my kids having a tea party yeah, with but this. Tea party, I mean, come on! But the like, tea party is happening before any of that stuff even happens. But, but the plane ha- did crash. The it, plane yeah, did crash. like yeah. stuff happened okay. around their environment. No, know? and I get that. None of that stuff makes sense. But, but like the little girl's not exactly like the most clean. Yeah, but she's not the most cleanly dressed. I mean, they're in an like, empty swimming pool for yeah, you. Yeah, Cabazon's not out there. I right. mean, what do you expect? <laughs> no, I'm just saying she's got like a dirty face and yeah. like dirty clothes. Right, and stop dissing the child. I'm sorry. Why is this a trash? Yeah, get married, you know, get mad at the parents. Why is this a trash? It, what, what, what point? No, no, does, I, think the, I think the whole scene in general, it just, it made me feel uncomfortable. It does, yes. And I don't know what, I don't know what purpose it serves besides well, me, to say that like people can have moments where even though they're like a convicted killer of killing 30 people they can have moments where they interact with society where they're not killing like they can have moments of innocence so yeah that's exactly what the scene was because this scene was supposed to <laughs> she really is guys she really is holly seriously stop fist bumping. Sorry. guys she won't stop um yeah this scene was actually supposed to delve deeper into that uh, kind of the uh, the psychological battle he was happening, uh, having, I mean. Um, so he was having uh, like a tea party with this little girl and he's supposed to have this whole uh, internal with debate. With dolls. With dolls, yeah. He was supposed to have this whole internal debate with himself as far as, you know, do I kill her? What do I do? Et cetera. And um, he was supposed to come to some sort of resolution within himself that he doesn't need to do this anymore that right. he, he doesn't need to harm her or she's too innocent to do this too. And that it was supposed to be a much longer sequence um, with him actually maybe like voicing it or thinking out loud or something. And there is, a, there is even a part uh, where the plane takes off from the airfield where... Um, you think that she's dead, huh? Yeah, well, you're supposed to think that yeah. until you see her. Yeah. But there is an extended version in the script. They never filmed it, I think, where there's a young woman looking around for the daughter. She's like, oh my God, baby, where are you? Et cetera, et cetera. And then she finally sees the daughter and she's like, oh my God, don't you run away again? Like, there's crazy shit happening. You know, it's a kind yeah. of... Explain. Oh, this is a deleted scene? No, it's, it's deleted from the script. It oh, was never filmed. But they thought it would have been more... It's more effective to just show the girl waving at the plane so they decided well why even have the mom in there at all yeah. like you get more of a you get a lot more tension you get a lot more I guess I you think know, there's you, a lot more gravity this scene when you remove the mom and I think it's just him proving to not be a criminal yeah because you and see the cup is split the, and you're like oh it, shit it something makes, happened yeah, no exactly you see that you, you see the cup broken this. and you see him carrying a doll as almost like a souvenir which is like mm, yeah. what what I got out of it is that do. you're just meant to think that this guy's crazy and you don't know what the heck he's yeah. gonna do like right. you thought he did then he didn't but you're saying he came to terms like I don't need to do this I'm better right if I, but well we and I think Steve Buscemi in that scene is amazing and I'm not I'm not trying to say Steve Buscemi in that scene but you can see his eyes like like calculating the situation and she's like do you want to sing and you can see his eyes just like do I want to sing like and he's he's resisting like almost a natural urge but is this a scene you want in a 90s action Nicolas Cage Jerry Bruckheimer film I think that's what it it made me uncomfortable it's like what's going on a very complex over theme of this of like people even though they make bad decisions are not necessarily bad people kind of like what we talked about with Forrest Gump 
in a in a movie that's kind of cheesy and like sticky and all this thing it's it's a weird scene and it makes you feel feelings and it makes you feel uncomfortable and it makes your heart race and it makes you like empathize because you see the broken glass you see him carrying a doll as almost like a souvenir like and it makes you feel uncomfortable and I don't know where else in the movie you feel those feelings. So to me, it just felt out of place. Yeah. I don't know. Don't, I, I'm way more simple with this stuff than you guys are, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah. when I'm looking at this, like... Be basic. Yeah. I, I, would, I would imagine a lot of people are very mean to Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Um, like when they're talking about on the plane, uh, like what's wrong with them? And Nicolas Cage is like, I would assume a lot. Like, great line, by the way. Yeah. Really, I, I, Kerwin? Really? Yeah. Great line. But like a lot of people are mean. Yeah, he's very like, he's very smart. But like, John Malkovich was a fan of his work. Yeah. 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 But that's sarcastic. Yeah. I would imagine, or something weird. Anyway, um, I, I don't think like a lot of people were nice to him. But this girl was really nice, and maybe that's why he. I didn't, think it's like, just like the, the innocence of children too. Yeah. It's just. And I think too, like if he like say he killed her, then this movie takes a weird turn to where it's not a fun action film anymore. Yeah, it's not yeah, a blockbuster anymore. Dark, so I think, yeah. I mean, I just think it's like, well, you can go one of two ways with this. I don't know. You guys are thinking way outside Well, can, I, can I ask you a question then? Yeah. Going on the same like emotional feel, how did you feel when Danny Trejo's character, Danny 20... Yeah, talk about raping Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny 23. Johnny 23. They call me Johnny was, 600 was if they knew the truth. going after that security guard. Like <laughs> if he would have actually like, like it makes you feel a certain thing. Did you feel the same way during that scene? Oh, you're about to get deep. Like, you're no, talking no, no, to a no, female no, no, about no, this no, no, right no, now. I'm, okay. not, I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just saying, like, you, you empathize with a little girl because it's an innocent child. But, like, if Johnny 23, for instance, would have, you know. If he would have raped or killed Sally. If he would have raped yeah. they killed the security guard, yeah. like, you would have felt a similar way, I would imagine. And it would have changed the whole feeling of the movie. I agree. I think yeah. that they didn't go that route because yeah. then this movie turns... I don't want to say horror yeah. or thriller, but it's like it takes a weird turn. Yeah. And I feel like they're trying to play a little more safe, but I don't know. Maybe you guys are right with thinking about the way you guys are. I, well, I, I think it's just I think it's I think they're making a point with like having it having taking you right to the brink of where you feel the danger and where you feel like this is a possibility, but it doesn't cross that line to actually happening. Exactly. But you know they're criminals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what, they're criminals. You know they did something wrong. I agree. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. I think this movie does multiple things. Um, it tries to explore the different kinds of criminal mm -hmm. that you see: the uber militant, the rapist, uh, you know, the guy that was defending his wife, burglar, tech villain, all that other stuff. It has different kind of a criminal or villainous archetypes, if mm -hmm. you will. And uh, Steve Buscemi's character kind of fits the Joker style, if you will. Mm -hmm. The the guy who is hyper so hyper aware that most others would perceive him as insane i think he kind of fulfills that archetype and the danger with him isn't necessarily his uh physical ability or his ability to execute his crimes the most fearful thing about that person is their unpredictability mm -hmm. and that coupled with the fact that you pair him with a small child really enhances that feeling you get from him he's extremely well-spoken He's the most well-dressed and clean-cut of everybody on the plane. He's literally um, white. He speaks to no one and everyone at the same time. You know, essentially he speaks to the audience when you really think about it. But using that scene, you know, kind of everybody gets their Hollywood moment in this film. Everybody has their one-liners, etc. You know, this was made to be his moment and kind of give the audience something to fear in this kind of world of 90s camp, action camp. Yeah. You know, definitely trying to, I guess, raise some sort of stakes by letting you know that, no, no, this isn't just an action film. These guys are really dangerous. I'm glad they never get to that point because, like, to Jason's point and to your point, you know, if they uh, rape and murder Sally on the plane, this is a totally different movie. If, right. any, if anything happens to that girl, 
totally different movie. Can I ask you a question too? Yes, sir. So I saw a review about this and almost every villain or whatever con on this airplane you're against the guy's like for some reason because of what happened i'm now rooting for his character like you want him to like just live i mean he he says that one line about leonard skinner right the and you're like okay cool he doesn't kill the girl and then he's out in vegas and you're kind of like all right if anyone lives out of any of those guys i want that guy is that what they were well, going no, for no, like, I mean, I mean, like he started off as like hannibal lecter yeah like, i mean I, like, at first you're like i don't want this guy to even come in the frame again yeah. you know like no he was terrifying but they i think they humanized him throughout the movie and he's yeah. just like I said, like he's the most insane one out of all of them. Yes, but he proved to be like the most sane. It was just so aware, bizarre. Yeah, yeah which is so bizarre. I think that they did a good job of like invoking these emotions. Like, hey, like, oh my god, like, what is he gonna do to this girl? And then you're like, you're kind of on edge, on the edge of your seat. Like, oh my god, what yeah, happened? Could, and then you see the girl walk out, and you're like, oh, okay, sigh of relief. Okay. Yes, and yeah. that's and the thing. You can. I think they do a good job. Yeah, with yeah that. you can achieve. In a world of action and all that other shit, you can more powerfully engage the audience on a psychological level and an emotional level than you can with, you know, firebombs and explosives and guns. You know, by including this, they definitely succeeded. And I think it's a nice departure for a little bit, Mm -hmm. like a little nice detour to have that kind of psychological fear aspect and not just, oh, I hope Nick Cage can dodge that explosion. Spoilers, he does, you know, so how it became oh it's just an action film the 90s it is what it is now it's like philosophical on Steve Buscemi it's just because I'm here because I made you guys think a little bit harder I I I would just don't think that deep it's weird it's like you guys start saying it's like man that's crazy and then I'm like no fuck no it's supposed to be super simple (laughs) no you're no it's weird though because like in order to achieve that effect you have to have the knowledge of these things you know what sort of potential victim would most likely grab the audience a child they're pure innocent haven't done anything wrong or a dog right or a dog yeah, yeah you don't kill kids and you don't kill dogs that's the rule you on, don't kill old film. people either because that's just rude yeah you don't kill old people captain marvel um and uh yeah and that's that's how you achieve that because you have all the previous, I guess, knowledge about societal norms and expectations. Well, I think it just goes against everything that you like. Kids shouldn't, kids shouldn't die. Yeah, like, kids shouldn't die. So what do you, what do you do to make some, you know, make a character unlikable? You have right. them kill a kid, or you have them kill a dog, or right. you just have to so know you're saying all that stuff. How to make a character likable? Have Un- them not kill the kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, did, it worked. Okay. When you when you think about the whole scope of that movie, how did you feel about Steve Buscemi at the end? I liked him a lot more because he didn't kill he the girl. He didn't kill the little girl. And I'm glad because he was never against Poe. He was never against him, right? I mean, they just, they yeah. never really crushed paths. He said the one line, but other than that, he, at the end, at the casino, you see him at the end, right? Betting on crap. But you don't right? feel this feeling of like, get that guy. Like yeah. when you saw no, Cyrus right. the Virus Cyrus on or, top of the thing where you're like. Or Pinball or Diamond Dog. Some of the names that are just god awful, but yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So my new trash one mm-hmm. is gonna be Nick Cage's legal defense <laughs> his 1-800 lawyer that got him 8 to 10 for self-defense mm-hmm. um, so I actually did some research on this because I really wanted to see what constitutes a body being a deadly weapon I've heard before if you have like a black belt or if you're trained in like martial arts to a certain extent like you can be considered a deadly weapon just based on your training or based on things that you know so they tried to imply that because he was an army ranger that his body is considered a lethal weapon which is why he served eight to ten for defending himself in a in a bar fight Mm -hmm. but I I did a little research on this so shout out to criminaldefenselawyer.com Courts have found items like pocket knives, stones, and walking sticks to be deadly weapons when used in an attack. So the fact that like somebody came at him with a pocket knife, I felt was like means to like defend himself in this situation outside of the bar. 
in the state of California where we live, um, a body can't be considered a deadly weapon in a context of assault with a deadly weapon because even though it may inflict deadly force, um, external objects are considered deadly weapons. But in several states like Texas, Ohio, and Kentucky have determined the human body to be a deadly weapon under certain circumstances. Um, Various parts of the body, including hands, feet, teeth, the mouth. I don't know how that differentiates from the teeth, but I'm interested to find out. You suck them till they die, I guess. <laughs> Elbows or knees. Um, so in deciding if a body part is deadly or dangerous, um, courts will consider the following factors. The manner of blows, hits, or kicks. The degree of force used. Number of times the defendant struck, kicked, or bit the victim. The extent of the victim's injuries and the location of the injuries. So, taking that all into account, I think we all can agree it was self-defense. Yes. Three men yes. were coming after him in an aggressive manner in a drunken state. There was a previous interaction within the bar. I think it deemed self-defense, especially from like an army ranger. Yeah, and he, but didn't, I mean, he didn't initiate the contact either. He didn't he initiate didn't the contact, but he also didn't stand down. Like he could have just gotten in the car and like yeah. left. And the like the de-escalator in me is just like, get in the fucking car. Yeah, we're going. Po. You have a pregnant wife. Let's go. Yeah, think. Yeah, that's the thing too. That's like, uh, let's go home. I haven't seen so, you in months. He, like, the door is open. Right. Get in the car. You right. got a pregnant wife. These dudes are. This is what happens when you get a bunch of males around away. each other. Yeah, like he walks over to them and fights them. Like yeah. he doesn't. They don't come at him. He walks towards them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't deescalate the situation. So his legal defense is definitely my trash in this movie. Mm. And then also, the mullet. The, the mullet. mullet. The mullet. You guys when know he what steps off the about. bus and that gust of wind comes, <laughs> and yeah. his eyes are closed. This is not a treasure like, to you. See, here's yeah. the thing: yeah. is I've I've never found Nick Cage attractive, and because of this movie, I Until still will never movie. find Nick Cage attractive. No, I mean from the from the from the head down in this movie, he is. It's serving. an amazing gif on the Apple. Oh, I love the one where he you like can put it all the time. Too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And you want to just like, I did something productive and you put that on. It's great, you know, but yeah. No, it's, I think Nick Cage is, is, an, is in amazing physical shape. Oh, he, his physique is? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, his physique is. Oh, there it is. is. His How about that, physique Jason? is iconic. <laughs> I have to agree with that. All right. Uh, Holly, on, physique a, is on, point. on a scale of one to Tom Cruise, how is his physique? Tom Cruise being the best? Uh, Are you really like thinking about this? Tom yeah. Cruise is the best. Tom Cruise is the same height as I am, which is the average female height. So therefore, he's not attractive. But damn, what's wrong with female height? Jesus, Jesus. no, I'm just saying five six on a dude. I'm about as deep as a puddle. We've concluded that. Um, I'm about as what? Deep as a puddle. Okay, the joke there is puddles aren't deep. We we get it. I get it. Um, No, I just I I the mullet doesn't do anything for me. I think as a clean cut army ranger. Like you wouldn't go from being like in the military, having the standards that they have to like letting it go. He could have got a haircut in jail. Like That's what he I'm didn't saying. Get haircuts in jail. And he scared the shit out of his daughter when he he's met up with rebellious. her back in Vegas. Like he's just like, I almost got a haircut. And it's like, dude. He's being rebellious. That's my trash for this movie. Um, my treasure, I have two scenes. Actually, like one scene that I absolutely adore is John Cusack's kind of scouting report in the beginning. Yes. Oh, that's pretty good. When he's going going through all the criminals and he's like, Cyrus the virus killed more men than cancer and Johnny 23. I I thought that whole thing, even though John Cusack. The music too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's done, he's done interviews where he says he hates this role and you can just tell like there's something in his eyes that just, he feels like the role's beneath him and he goes through the whole movie just thinking like. I can't believe I'm about to say this line, but I'm going to say you just feel that like angst that he has of like, I know this role is below me. So I'm going to like pretend that I'm smarter than everyone else while 
actually being smarter than everyone else and knowing that this is like a cheesy shtick. But I love that scouting report scene. It's like my favorite. Yeah. I could watch that all the time. Great scene. That's also one of my my treasures. I I also like when he gets to camera. He's like. He's a nobody. My second treasure is John Malkovich's entire performance in this movie. I I think he, Cyrus the Virus, when you talk about the other actors who would have played him, like I, I see merit in some people, but I think his entire performance was just, I think one of the best in this movie. It's iconic, if you will. But he is able to Even to give Even the sayonara you, quote where he flicks oh, a cigarette. I, especially the sayonara just quote. Sure. No, I just, I think he has moments where he's like incredibly sane and you can see that he, you know, he, I believe the part in the movie when John Cusack's giving a scouting report of like he got his jurors doctorate while in school because he has moments of brilliance and he has moments of just like planning and execution that like with this whole heist that you can actually like see how it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But then he has moments of like great insanity and great angst and great anger where you're just like, okay, this is why he's a criminal. Like he could easily use his intelligence for good, but he just has this like slight unhinging and this slight volatility. But he's still moral though because he doesn't allow Johnny... 23 to like, hey, you are not going to touch this girl. Yeah, or, or, he, he I, has, I like that. I thought no, that and, cool. I, and I love him because he has lines in the movie where he's talking to Johnny 23 and he's like, I consider rapists the lowest of the low, which is just like, there's still that morality piece to him, yeah. which is like, I think even though despite being like killing more men than cancer, as he claims, he still has a sense of morality or a sense of right yeah. and wrong, despite having no sense of right and wrong, if that makes sense. But I think it's such a complex character and I think he does an amazing job of kind of portraying all those angles. Just being the mastermind behind right. the yeah. whole thing. I mean, yeah. that's my favorite part. No, but he, like, he has like the solid plans, but then he comes unhinged and gets like crazy, crazy angry about stuff, but then like goes back to this place of like, no, this is what we're doing or this is what we need to do. So I feel like his whole character, like you're kind of going back and forth with him and he just, he, he reels you in the entire time. Like, Does the movie work if it's not him? Out of all the people listed, I would say it would work with Gary Oldman. I, I disagree might, with you. That might, that I disagree be, with you. I, I that think, might be. I think it's got to be him. But I think him. it has to be John Malcolm. I think, it has no, to no, be no. I think, yeah. I think William Defoe could have brought something to it. Oh, maybe. Really? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, well, I, 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 don't, I don't When I think of Cyrus the Virus, I think of John yes. Malcolm. Because he did an amazing job. But yeah. what I'm saying is when you think about it in its conception and you think about, like, I just think of, like, Gary Oldman and, like, No Country for Old Men. So I don't really see it applying to this. Why don't give me that face? He's not in that movie. Yes, yeah. he is. Gary Oldman. Am I? What am I thinking of then? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy no. Lee Jones. You're thinking of Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Oh, this is awkward. Yeah. No, stop. <laughs> Fuck off, Maga. Gary Oldman's not in. I was like, he's not in that. Oh, no, what <laughs> movie am I thinking of? Am I thinking, thinking of Winters? One. No. There he is. Wait, he's a villain about, Air Force One. Wait, are you talking about? Get a movie, off my plane. Are you talking about a movie where he's the bad guy? Yeah. Gary Oldman. Uh, professional. Yeah. Uh, fifth Element. Right, Fifth Element. Yep. Yeah, Air Fifth Force Element. One. Right. Uh, Lost Force. in Space. Air Force One. Oh, he's good. Air Force One. Like that performance could easily translate to Con Air. I think yeah, that's yeah. the only reason I would say he'd be my only other choice from the other people cast or that could have been. Okay, casted. so we're gonna like re-record this. I don't sound like. Ah uh, no, this is gonna go in. No. <laughs> um. So no, I just I don't think Gary Oldman could have could have done it, but I think the William Defoe like there's something about in his like his grit. What's that movie voice? that William Defoe's really creepy in? Spider Man. No, not not that one. It's the other one. Um, Aquaman. Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Yes. That's the. That's why so I think William Defoe would have been a. Amazing. But like, I still think I still think John Malkovich is no, like... No, he does an amazing job with it. Yeah. So now he's like one of those things that's like it's hard to imagine anybody else. But like if you were to think about it, I think William Defoe would have done a good job. Gary Oldman, maybe, but... Okay, there you go. All right. And then, um, yeah, that's it. Bling, what's your trash or treasure with this movie? My treasures for this film 
the ensemble cast. I love how it has big name actors in, 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 in one film, just like, you know, other films like Ocean's Eleven. Two, uh, I, I like that scene where it, uh, Nick Cage is doing headstand pushups. I don't know why. I think that's just such a cool... Because it turns the cell, on? The cell, yeah. yeah, the cell. Yeah, it's just him. It's like, it's like, is that real? Was he actually doing that? I think he... No, he is. He is, yeah. I need to think of him as being like in shape and being buff. And I see him doing that. I'm like, that, that's just crazy. Um, Holly's Point, John Malkovich steals the show in this whole film. I, I love his acting and seeing... Um, so yeah, John Malkovich, great, great actor. And after seeing this film, I wanted to see all the films that he was in. Um, Do you know what he did prior to this? He was in the, he did True West with Gary Sinise. It was a great play. He did Rounders. Uh, Rounders was before this. Huh? Was Rounders before this? No, I want to say this. I think Rounders is after Rounders, this. I think, was 1998. Oh, you're right, you're right. Okay. Uh, and then he also did be, being, being John Malkovich, but he was a very dramatic actor. Yeah. So for him doing an action flick, I think this was his, I want to say his first action flick. A lot of action. I mean, this is a Jerry Bruckheimer film, and after seeing almost Michael Bayish, right? Almost yeah. Michael Bayish. Yeah. After you know, knowing that it was a Jerry Bruckheimer film, you have expectations of what it, what you're, what you're going to expect, you know. And a lot of actions, a lot of explosion, great score. So that's my treasures for this film. I think didn't they get nominated for best sound mixing for an Oscar? They didn't win, but I think they got that was the second best Oscar. Sound. So you're right, bling on that. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the all, all that stuff. Best original song and best sound mixing. But they lost both to Titanic. Titanic, yeah. Yeah. That damn ship, huh, man. No, it just wrong damn time boat. to call the film, right? It's funny how Poe Cameron lost to James Cameron. <laughs> okay, keep going, Blake. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I love this film for just being a, a guy action flick. Okay, my trash with this film. Here we go. So there's a few scenes that just felt out of place. So the first one is that flamboyant, I want to say homosexual person. That or the was Sally Can't Dance character. Yeah, the Sally Can't Dance. And they kind of play into that stereotype. Um, you know, he's you know very flamboyant. He finds a dress. He's got to put it on. I, I just felt like his character just felt out of place. And I don't know why they kept on portraying kind of a stereotype. Right. Okay. The second one is Danny Trejo. The cops are coming. They're going into a shootout, and now he wants to rape Sally. Like yeah. it just felt so out of place. Like why is he? Why is he trying to do this? Like there's impending doom, and you're trying to rape this girl. Like, yeah. It fell out of place. The chase scene at the end when they went to Vegas. I'm like, oh god, they're gonna set. This is gonna set up a chase scene, and sure enough, there's a chase scene. And then at the very end, they're in Vegas. I don't know how it's all of a sudden. John Malkovich, the Cyrus of Viruses, all of a sudden they're in the factory and there's, there's like they're, they're destroying the stones and he gets killed. I thought he was on a fire truck prior to that. Yeah, right? he was yeah, on a fire yeah. truck and then all of a sudden they're in this factory setting and he yeah. gets. <laughs> oh, because you know what? Because you know Vegas always has construction. Maybe that's why. Yeah. But like it, it's it, weird. It just it yeah. felt like a weird scene change where it's just like okay. Because yeah, the only place he could have landed. Because where the where the hell is that tunnel in Vegas? By the way. Be, no. By the way, that was a tunnel that they filmed that in the LA, LA tunnel. Yeah, yeah LA. Like, yeah, there's uh, no tunnel Second Street in, Tunnel in LA. Second Street there's Tunnel no in LA. Tunnel there's, in LA. There's, there's, there's not. That's no, what I'm like. There's a tunnel to the airport. But that's that's about it. But well, they weren't going there. That, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um. Don't think any, any other trashes in film. Um, just common sense stuff like when they hijack the, the plane, like the pilots are like, "Let me get the only gun in the plane." 
and I'm going to go back there. Don't be a hero. Like, but P.S., they did have an, in like the storage bins underneath when they had to fight off all the cops coming. Yeah, at that's Lernover. what like, uh, yeah. like literally with shotguns yeah, and shotguns everything. Yeah, shotguns and M16. They had a grenade launcher. Yeah, like, you're right. That was total bullshit. Yeah, so. Um, but it uh, made for big explosions, which yeah, is that's cool. It. it sets up a, get, a big shootout and a yeah. gunfight. I know it's, it's, it sets it up, but yeah, there's just, it was unnecessary. I completely agree, yeah. Um, that's all I got for you. Okay. My trash for this movie, uh, it's got to be Nick Cage's accent. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like, he went to it, Alabama to like, perfect it. Come on, man. It's, I it's wish he would have stayed there longer. I get it. It's a 90s campy movie. Like Every decade kind of has their like campy movie tropes or whatever. For the 90s, it was just outlandish action and dudes and wife beaters and fake-ass mullets and shit. But like his accent... While it doesn't annoy me, it's just like, it, it makes the movie funny. You don't take it too seriously. Like, I hope he wasn't taking it too seriously either. I feel like he does, though. I think he was. I think what? he, like, he thinks, like, he shaped that role. Like, yeah. you listen to, like, interviews and he's like, I designed this so it would be, like, the southern male chivalrous, like, honorably discharged ranger. Like, he he feels like yeah, he, he molded this it. shit out of clay. Yeah, it's, he molded it out of something else. But, but did you know that it inspired a Kid Rock song, American Badass? I did know that. Mm, and the so video is laden Pretty with good. Confederate good flags. Job. So what did he really inspire? Already. Pump the brakes. All now, I'm saying wait, is now that you say that, now that you say that, docking this movie to some dollars oh. automatically. Way to go, Jason. Um, me, but you um, it up. No, it's funny because you know it's bad, but I I don't care about it the rest of the film. But that first, maybe like after he's in jail and they go through the montage of him D-A-K-C. being there throughout the years, D-A-K-C. and he's just reading back and forth the letters, and you're just like, oh my god, please let this be over. It's just yeah. like, dear Casey. Prison has been fine, even though I cannot find anyone to cut my hair. Like it's just, it's just like what the fuck. And then he he reads like a letter, just like, dear hummingbird, break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, and tie yellow ribbon round the old oak tree, cause this boy is coming home forever. And I'm just like, I can't believe I have to listen to this for five minutes while he's doing upside down push-ups. Yes, yes. <laughs> and pull-ups too. Pull-ups. Highlighting that great physique. Of I, just, I just want to keep hearing Kerwin say that. I know. That yeah, you're like, actually you're talk, doing a, you're doing it better than him. Like you're actually talk just the rest doing of the podcast in that, in that accent, yeah. please. It's don't worry. For my treasure, I got a lot of quotes. So good. But that's that's my that's one of my trash. Um, my other trash is just like. Yo, Michael T. Williamson is playing Bubba again. Oh, yes. <laughs> this dude this dude cannot stop being the black sidekick that got to die. Don't step like, on my insulin. Yeah, it's just like... Can, can I bring up one thing speaking of insulin? <laughs> What's up? How does Nicolas Cage character and him come in contact? Do you guys remember? They, they He's like the male guy, right? But he hands him a snowball, like... Treat. What are those things? The hostess snowball. Yeah. He's a diabetic. <laughs> Why is he giving him a bunch I of never sugar? Put that together before. Like this That's is amazing. bullshit. Like this That's guy's what like gave him diabetes. Yeah, it was the damn snowball. No, but he's he's type one though because he takes insulin, right? Yeah. So he it still needs doesn't affect him. He's, no, it he has needs to. the sugar. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just maybe feel like he d- maybe he did his finger test that day and he got excited. Come on. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just I just thought that treat was yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> It's like, treat yourself. <laughs> Jason just drops the Snowball, huh? Treat yourself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, like, I was just kind of like, really, like, 
we're doing this again. Like, come on. No, I'm like, come on, Bubba. It was the beginning of like a beautiful friendship. Like he gave him a snowball and then he gave him a book on how to learn Spanish. Michael T. Williamson needs to stay the fuck away from white dudes from Alabama. Oh, I didn't even think about wow. that. Yeah, this guy, yeah. Wow. That's all. Like, and he got shot in the chest again. He got hit in the chest or the stomach again. I want to go home. I want to go home. <laughs> but, you know, the. I mean, it's just, it's just ironic. It's not really like a true trash, but it's, you know, it's a trash fucking but like the accent, you know, just that opening part. But for the most part, I, I like a lot of the stuff in this movie. So um, it's all good. That's that's just my one thing. Having to sit through that like montage of him just talking. It's awful. But my treasure, um, I love the one-liners. Um, I love the comedy in this movie. This movie does get a little racist, and we'll talk about that at the at the very end. But, you know, the movie does have a lot of like great one-liners. The action is cool. Uh, one of the Wait, great one-liners. Yes, and I actually have a okay. list. All right, here we go. Uh, would you like me to read them in my normal? I want no. you to do it in no, 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 the no, no, Nick no, no, Cage, no, no, no. Conair, Alabama Southern though. accent. Yeah. All right. So I think Jay or one of you guys might have said this already, but Johnny Twenty Three, uh, he says, "You know who I am," and then Poe says, "Ugly all day." <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I laughed at that. I That's thought that was one. pretty great. The whole put the bunny back in the box. And after he kills the dude, he's like, why, why couldn't you just put the bunny back in the box? Like, there's that line. Um, I feel like Nick Cage is here right now. Yeah, great delivery. When, <laughs> when, I when was like, Poe, where did Kerwin go? <laughs> <laughs> when Poe's in the, uh, the hangar with the South American gangsters, uh, I think it was like Santino was the guy's mm-hmm. name. So his guys are hiding out in that hangar. They're having like the Mexican standoff or whatever. And he asks questions and he's just like, and nobody answers. And he's just like, well, hooray for the sounds of fucking silence. And I'm just like, did, did we need to say that? No, not at all. No, we did. we did. We did. It's in the movie. Yeah. So it needed to be said. There's a part where John Cusack says that was a joke. And Nick Hay just looks him dead in the eyes and says, well, I'm glad you told me. <laughs> John Cusack says, you know, now that I'm helping you out, you know, as far as getting off the plane, what are you going to do for me? And Poe grabs his gun and he says, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. And he, he runs out of <laughs> So you're laughing while you say, why is this a treasure? Because it's, like, so it's good. making me smile, bro. Yeah. Damn. And he's then, smiling. That, that means he's happy. Yeah. yeah. What about the one where they ask, you know. Can, can I the, say my next line though, real yeah. quick? Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's Sai. Anara. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, that's my first thought would be long pause a lot. Like, you're not going to bring up that quote. Like, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Wait, I think I have that on here. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. If you wait. give him a chance, maybe you get to it. Yeah, let well, him finish his well, treasure. I'm not going to go back up because I think we already said that. No, there's but. one where, and my favorite is like the Dave Chappelle when he's like, your breast smells like shit. And he's like, yeah, but he told me he loved me. He told like, me. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought of. But Dave Chappelle's lines, I heard, were all improvised for the most part. Everything, yeah, 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 he improvised most of, or if not all of his lines. He was killed way too soon in this movie. Can that be one of your trashes? Pinball. Yeah, that's my. That was a waste. That was a. He brought a lot of energy to the movie, and like I just feel like him dying off screen was was kind of effed up. Yeah, it's just kind of like he should have at least made it to the Air Force base. Yeah, or the uh, the the airfield or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that was kind of a waste. All right, but my favorite line, it's its the line that made me, like, roll my eyes the hardest, but I love it so much because it's so its so cheesy, so stupid. It's like um, uh, when Baby O gets shot by, by Cyrus and he's laying on the ground and he's, like, dying or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, um, he's just like, uh, why is this happening? I feel like God don't exist, man. And Poe gets up and Baby O says, hey, where you going? And Poe says, 
I'm going to show you that God does exist. And, and he like, he grabs his gun again and like fucking goes off to like storm the cockpit and shit. I love it. Yeah. I, I hate it. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, other than that, love John Malkovich in this movie. He's great. One of my favorite shots is, uh, when uh, Cusack and Cage, uh, they're in Vegas, and they both happen to hop on the, the cop bikes at the same exact time, oh, yeah. and they look at each other, and you're like, oh, shit's about to go down. It's going to be a chase. Yeah, it's like, gonna... game recognized game. Let's yeah, get there. I was just like, they looked at each other. I was like, oh, shit. It's like it's like Batman and Superman teaming up. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah. Superman had a mullet. Yeah, so, yeah, that's my that's my trash or treasure for this movie. Jason, why don't you tell us your trash or treasure? Okay, I'm going to piggyback off you a little, Kerwin, but I'm going to start with, for my treasure at least, but for my trash, Holly kind of talked about it earlier, but Dave Chappelle, man, I, I just, I was happy because this, this, this cast has, it's just all stars. Yeah. And I saw Dave Chappelle in this. I thought he was going to bring, you know, a certain like levity to it, just some funny stuff. And I, I don't know what you guys think, but do you think he got killed off way too fast? Oh, yeah. Yes. I think they killed him off way too fast and they killed him off in like a bullshit way. Yeah, I just, I think it's a, it's a shitty way to kill him and I feel like if he would have got to Lerner or they would have had more time with him, I mean like... But it is the way that Poe connects with John Cusack's character. I mean, I, I mean, you have to find another way then to like... Because it wasn't he wrote on hey what we're where we're going and all that and that's why it was sent to John Cusack's character on but the T-shirt. But he could have killed he could have killed the other dude. No, he could have. I'm just, I'm just saying like I understand the way he. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that would have been a more effective use of like the Billy Bedlam character that where they, where they do that like infamous crouch fight scene like that would have been a good opportunity to get him like stuck in a door hatch or something and then utilize that death because originally that's kind of what so just kill that guy because of the bunny yeah. right and then send the, the like, t-shirt I, down I think yeah. Dave Chappelle just brings a certain amount of levity to the whole movie like he just brings like that you didn't really mean I was a crackhead right like yeah. that whole like he's it's a, funny he's because, a standout when yeah. they first introduce all the convicts 100%. like the energy is coming 100% from him like he even he might have he might at some point steal a lot of the show from Malkovich yeah like he's drawing and creating so much energy and when he he dies it's literally up to Malkovich to carry that movie when he's about to kill that guy or set the guy on fire I don't does he ever live I don't even know the, but he goes yeah, hey man if the, we it, get through this you know like I'm sorry and he yeah. just no cause they, because when they're when they're at learn when they're at when they're in Carson City and like the guy he's like running cause he's like hey let me on the thing and the Indian like flips in the bird he like oh, kind of yeah, gets the yeah. last laugh so it's it's like that whole moment that whole scene where he's like lighting the guy on fire it was just like you're like what the fuck like as it's unfolding it's amazing yeah I just I don't know I, that was probably my biggest trash is that I just feel like if they would have kept him longer but at the same time you gotta have someone kind of stealing the show you have to have a you know a hero you have to have a villain and I feel like you have both of those if you have if you throw them in there I think you also have to take into account that Chappelle at this time you know at this point in his career he wasn't a big actor yet he wasn't no oh. he was not this is probably one of his first or second roles so he wasn't the big name actor that we know now yeah yeah I mean but outside of that that's my only trash that's your yes. only trash nice nice yeah I, this movie I is, can see where this rating is going you know, I, I'm not even gonna lie dude I was I was definitely reaching for my trash so yeah I mean there's just not a lot. Mine so. was illegal. Why are you guys looking at me? Like, why are you looking at me? Because we're prepared for yeah. a manifesto. So let me get in my treasure real quick, and then we'll just end the podcast, right? I 100% agree with that, Jason. <laughs> Put right. the bunny back in the in box. The box. <laughs> Great line, by the way. Um, so again, my my treasure is kind of piggybacking off Kerwin. The scene where Michael T's on, you know, he's he's on the ground. He's been shot. Nicholas Cage says. 
I'm going to show you God does exist. And he gets up. I don't know, but something about this scene is just like super like 90s action film, like the music and the, the mullet, the wife well, beater. Yeah, the physique too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's definitely up there with, you know, with the cruise aspect, you know, Tom Cruise, just, he's, he's, he's trying, he's trying to edge him out. I don't know if he does, but he walks up, you hear the guitar solo. Just Does Tom just Cruise have an Academy Award? Helicopters shooting at the jail, but just like all behind them. Yeah. You know, John Malkovich out there, back there shooting too. He was holding um, a bunny prior to that too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that in a bit. Get you a man who could do both, I guess. <laughs> so he's shooting at helicopters with the M16. <laughs> Nicholas Cage says, fuck it. I'm going to walk up. I'm going to take over this cockpit. Some dude finds a Jack Daniels bottle, breaks it. About to about to stab uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage throws him to the side. Then all of a sudden, the best part happens. Nicholas Cage is walking up, catches eyes with this bald, like almost Nazi type looking dude. The guy shoots him right in the shoulder. Doesn't even phase him. Do you think a, shul- a shot to the shoulder would phase you? Do you, you hear mother? yourself talking? I mean, this movie sucks. When you're dude. hopped up on My adrenaline. God. Yeah, I mean, Let he's just go. like, he's pumped up. I don't know if he shot the insulin. I mean, Maybe but, it was adrenaline. Something happened, but So you're Nick saying Cage. you're saying he was uncaged at this moment? <laughs> there it no, is. There Nick it Cage is. was on another level. He he crashed but, but in it, a plane. He knew he had to save he the fucking shot. day. But there's just he got like, thrown off a fire truck. I mean, he was indestructible. But you just, you just imagine the scene like you're on an airplane, for God's sakes. Just everything's in disarray. There's helicopters shooting at you. People are breaking bottles. Some guy's dying over there. You're walking. If you get shot in the shoulder, you're just like, fuck it. I think that's the least of things that happened to him that day. Like, you're in an airplane being run by convicts. Well, That's the least of his worries. Speaking of that, there's a part. Remember when that plane uh, is, like, towing the car? Uh, Yes. Malloy's car? And he just looks at it, and he's just like, on any other day, that might seem strange. Yeah, we didn't bring that up. That's part of my trash. So you're See, right. laughing, guys. You can't see him because this movie sucks. There is a lot of stuff going on. You're right. Yeah, but I don't know. But something about the music, just like the scenes very quick. Like I looked it up on YouTube. It's about, it's under a minute. But all this shit happens with the under a minute. And I'm like, holy fuck, the scene's epic. But so okay. he was gone in 60 seconds. Hey. There you go. So my other treasure is, I don't know why, like when I was a kid, when I watched this scene, the Garland Green scene when they first when they when the plane lands, convicts take over and they're getting Garland Green out of like the almost like an armored car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know the music, everything. It like totally creeped me out. When they get him out, it's he looks to. like uh, like you were saying earlier, like kind of Hannibal Lecter-ish. Like the mask. They use the poles, right? Yeah, they use the poles. Yeah. They like turn it. It unlocks him. He gets up. He's like all his hands are like cuffed together. His mouth's covered. He, he's chained together with his ankles. Like he can barely walk to the plane, let, do, let alone do anything else. And I don't know why it like even the convicts are freaked out by this guy, and he's completely confined. I don't know why, but I I like that part a lot too, but. Uh, that's, I mean, you guys said a lot of my other likes, so, um, thanks for coming to Twilight Our Ticket, and, uh... Fuck you, Sally. Fuck yeah. <laughs> really? Really? All right, go ahead, Muggs. I'll allow you. I, there's so, so many things. I'll start with my treasures. Um, the cast, I think, is obviously a treasure of all of ours. I mean, I think it's a great cast. Besides, I think, Nicolas Cage trying to do the accent. Other than that, you know, I mean, and I do like Nick, Nick Cage. The Las Vegas scene, I think the way they did it with the miniature set and the actual Vegas strip itself, all that stuff, I thought that was good. None of you guys, you guys didn't like the um, 
the license plate for that guy's car as yeah, kicker. kicker. I mean, come on, I, you know, so I like that. Lame. No, I think that's lame. That's, that's over everything else, dude. That'd be the lamest part. Whatever, dude. I cannot believe. Yo, that shit is so wet. I like that. It was like a douchebag move for a douchebag guy. Like, I think that's how we all took. I cannot believe that's what you guys think is lame over everything else. In the eighties, that'd be cool. But this is nineteen ninety-seven, man. Come on. Okay, let's get into the trashes. All right. That's uh, all you had was the ass had? kicker license plate. No, I, I do. No, I I, I do like the Vegas plane crash. The way they said that with the model, then they actually did the actual Vegas trip itself with real cars. They had to edit that whole thing together. So you had I Vegas thought, and the license plate are your track are your treasures. And the cast, no, the cast. Okay. I mean, you okay. guys already touched on that. I mean, I can okay. tell you how Cyrus the virus was, Ving Rains, yeah. all that stuff. Now for my trash. Uh, somehow you guys failed to bring up the voiceover at the beginning about the Marines. Did anyone at all, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, no, right? No, I do, but... Where there's that voiceover, they show Marines, and there's Poe in there. Oh, United so bad. States Marines, yeah. you have been dis- discharged. And they bring up how you never leave a man behind, and that's kind of why he doesn't leave. Yeah. His, that You thought that was good? No, I just felt like it tied into the rest of the movie, like why he didn't leave Baby O behind on the plane. And why okay. He had a sense of honor, dude. Like, So anyways, moving past that, right, okay, he shows up. You just insulted the Army Rangers. I'm not insulting. I'm just saying it was not whatever. <laughs> Trump's going to get you now. There it is. But then we go into where he goes to meet his wife. Do we ever find out what his wife's name is? Trisha. Trisha, okay. How How is she already pregnant from him being deployed? It's the hair, man. She just felt it and got see, pregnant. No, see, your sarcasm is... Sarcat, whatever, is showing me that like it makes no fucking sense. No, it does this make no sense. This is the guy no that sense. corrects us yeah. of makes, you no, and it makes I. No sense. She's well, like, I know just sarcasm. It's sarcastic, but okay. okay. No, Sarcasing. you're you're 100% right. Like you're 100% right. That makes no sense. She's probably like three months tops, if anything. I thought it was two all. months in the movie. So two months in the movie. Yeah. So he's he's been deployed. Who gets deployed for two months? Yeah, we don't know if he came. Like he was at a base and they hooked up, guys, and he was on leave. Right. Maybe, but, you guys, but he was getting honorably discharged, which means he'd. Prior served and he was getting discharged. It's like a ceremony when you're honorably discharged. She probably attended that ceremony. Okay, but there, I'll no, give no, you that. But there were no I disagree. civilians at that ceremony. Yeah. There were no civilians there. Your family attends typically. No, but it's honorably discharged. That's the thing I noticed. I went back and watched it again. Like there are no civilians there right. when they have that ceremony. Because I was like, oh, maybe they hooked up. You know, the night of the ceremony, whatever. They're married. Let's just assume he was gone. You know, overseas. Possibly, right. I would say at most. You said two months, yeah. two to three months. We'll say that's. I think that's the most she could be pregnant without showing it too much. I would assume maybe two to it three months. On, it depends on your depends body, on the yes. woman, of course. Yeah. But I think it's just like at what time did he impregnate her? Because it's just like it doesn't make sense. Yo, like he he got home and like she's just newly but pregnant. Kind guys, of the military doesn't work like that. You don't you don't come back and then you immediately get honorably discharged. There's like months. No, I I, I understand that. So my whole thing is like maybe he was on leave two months so prior. So it's a plot hole like, for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's a plot. I'll hole. give you that. Let me get to my next okay. plot hole. Okay. Um, they he does what he does in the rain. Right. Kills the person with one blow. Yeah. His defense lawyer sucks, you know, and he goes to jail. They start writing their letters. He says in one of the letters, I can't wait to get home so we can do all the things together that I miss doing with you. How is that possible? He's never met her. He says it in one of the letters. No, 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 to the the little girl. Like, it makes no sense. Maybe it's I've missed. No, 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 it doesn't. It says all the things we miss doing together is what he says. No, to all her. the things we've missed, yeah. like as the things that we're supposed to do that as father happen. and child. No, that we've missed. I, I disagree. I think he's not it's saying just he misses it. He's, he's saying, saying like he missed out. They, they, on doing he missed it. out on her life. 
we're gonna do all the things that I Dear missed. Casey. Out. Okay. Dear well, Casey, next. all the things next. we missed. It's bullshit. Next. Um, Thank you next. I none of you guys talked about the logo. It's you terrible. Guys, it's ter- when I'm she's a, crying a, in the courtroom and the logo, the logo comes on with that little like harsh like courtroom bam, you know, like I I don't know. I just can't, okay. As a graphic designer, is it a good one? It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It is. You Wait, can what see logo? Jog my memory. the Con Air logo, oh. like especially when it's on black and you can see all the the fucking artifacts around it. Like whoever did that logo should have done it in Vector. They it's clearly their a raster logo. It's awful. Like you can see, like they use the magic wand tool or some shit. It it's reminds just, me of Street Fighter in a sense. Yeah, Street Fighter's logo That's is way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. How the logo pops up <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, but Street Fighter's logo is way better. Oh yeah. Yeah. So also comparing Con Air a good movie to Street Fighter a shitty movie. Okay, first of all, back the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Street, Street Fighter's no, great. Street um, great. And then how cheesy it is. We can all agree that it's cheesy. The yeah. one-liners. I mean, you cannot tell me like the Sayonara, the bunny overload. I mean, I, everything. I think, like, I think we just did. I get that. So it's like that's my. I, I think that's my trash. I, I hate I the, the one-liners. How cheesy movie it is. That it's kind of like oh, you roll your eyes, but then it keeps rolling. Like it keeps going. It's, it's funny. not good. Like, think, it's not funny it at all. It's you know what I, I think? That's why John Cusack. I think it's because like like you know how we talked about it? it's like uh, the camp and the '90s tropes. Like one-liners were like a huge '90s trope. Like hasta la vista and fucking you know I'll be back and you know all, all the other all the other crap that you hear in like '90s action flicks. Get off my plane! Like yeah. every movie has like that one-liner but this movie we call it one-liner it has like 10 this this movie has a hundred liners yeah like it's it has a lot and i think maybe your problem is like it's an excess yes yeah i think and don't get me wrong i am a nicholas cage fan a lot of other movies this one i don't buy in because of the cheesiness other stuff and i don't like the accent I, i really don't i think it's so over the top i feel like it's not necessary or he's overacting i i don't know that's just the way I feel, um, but yeah, that, that, there's a lot of my trashes, you know. But okay. that's it, you know. All right. So, anybody else got anything to say before we get to prices? Well, I think. I mean, I'm just talking about like we were kind of saying like in 2019. I don't think this holds water, and you guys kind of gave me a look like it should hold water in 2019. No, I agree. Uh, with nobody, you. Some, nobody some disagreed things, with you. Some of the things like would would be criticized or. So can we just can we just jump into to that shit right now? Before, yeah. All right. Let's jump. All right. We got a we got. This movie's pretty offensive in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, a hundred percent. Like you know, I got a short list. I know there's a ton of stuff in here, but Yeah, what's you know, your short list? Uh number one, you know, baby O has diabetes. Why is a black man gotta have diabetes? You know, stereotypical. Ving he ate Ray, too many snowballs. But I think but I think that's what makes him like it when you think about him having diabetes, he needed to have something to kind of keep him a neutral character because like how like is he driving the plot at any point? No, he's not. At but all. he's the motivation for For Nick Cage to stay on the plane. Right. Well, you could have had that motivation just with Officer. Officer Sally, you could have lit like her alone is enough for him to stay on the plane. We'll, we'll get an offer, Officer Sally in a minute, but I I understand like his need to be chivalrous and his need to protect, yeah. and that's what got him in the situation in the first place. Mm-hmm. I agree that it's not as much of a driving force because you don't have that connection to the security guard. But I, I I get what you're saying, but he had to have something to keep him neutral and keep him kind of not escalating the situation. And it makes him more human to have like a like a friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Baby O's not a bad guy. Like, they formed a close friendship in jail. All that other stuff. You know, yeah, you're right. It makes yeah, him more human. They had you know? each other's back. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm that sorry. Sense. I totally forgot one more trash. Can I bring it up? Yes. Go right ahead. How Cyrus the virus dies. Yes. Are we going to talk about oh, that? Yeah, I, I, he gets stabbed on well, the fire truck. As he then he goes it. through a window because of the ladder. 
gets electrocuted on the way down and he hits and a boulder drops on his face. As it should have. Yeah. It might be the worst death in history of <laughs> like cinema. And we've seen Saw and all these. I mean, like, this is bad. There was also bad. a continuity issue because his hand was handcuffed to the ladder. <laughs> I wondered that too. It was. Yeah, and, so and it's, it's like, what the fuck, man? And it's, it's only his hand I'm sorry, I totally yeah. bypassed that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it no, was, I said, did his arm rip off? Nope. Like, I thought nope. that to myself nope. as nope. he did it. But don't you think that's another 90s action movie trope where the villain has die like a whole No, because I watched it death. in the 90s and I was like, really? Like, no, really? Like, look at Mission Impossible. Remember how John Voight died? Like, he got shredded by the fucking helicopter and that's, then, that's and then like, the train this ran over This guy goes him. to like four different deaths at one time. Well, you like, just want to make sure because he's so smart and he's such like a like a multifaceted villain. You want to make sure he's dead. Are you serious right now? Yes. <laughs> he got electrocuted. He got stabbed. He got crushed. He got all those. He, he got all those. He we, did. We saw a cool scene too with Swamp Thing when, like, uh, I think John Cusack hit it with the axe on the top and put the the, the hose, hose in there? inside yeah. the the cab of the fire truck. That was like actually a cool scene. And then we saw. I, I agree. The way Cyrus dies is kind of shitty. I well, think it's. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. He's not leaving Las Vegas. Q. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't know where else to go. To add to that too, I mean that whole ending sequence. Also, the bunny. Like, how did the bunny just show up I, during the whole chase? And it was wet because was of the wet. fire truck, yeah. you know, and, and it, now it it went, it's dry. It went to the sewer. Once it's in the sewer, it is gone. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden, he just reached in, was able like to it. grab it out. No, I because fucking Leonardo I, from the Ninja Turtles handed it to him. Said, <laughs> Here you go. Kerwin, stop. The one thing I did like about this movie, is, and I didn't put it in my treasures, you really see him flustered for the first time in the whole movie when he's trying to talk to his wife and daughter at the time. I, the whole movie, you never see him flustered, right? He's never like... Yeah, where he like, seems in control, yes. Yeah, when he meets... What? There's one time. There is one time when where... he meets uh, John Cusack's character at the Oh, hangar, and they have the guns faded at each other. Says, you're right, you're right. And he says... I spoke to your wife and daughter and he's like in person and like that's the first time he like kind of you're right he kind of loses his cool because he goes after all these guys and there he meets her face to face in Vegas right right and he he really is very nervous for the first time I think in the whole movie you're right that other time where they're in that hangar right yeah but uh, I I thought that was that was that was great on his character part or for the storyline I I thought that was necessary I think that's his eventual goal as a character his ultimate goal is to get back to his wife and his yeah. kids and with that's the like what's the, the driving bunny. thing and so he was an army ranger and so he's navigating these hostile situations he's dealing with men he's dealing with death he's dealing with all these things so for him like he's able to navigate through that but like emotions and like getting back to his eventual goal I think that is kind of where he's flustered it also doesn't help that <laughs> he's like bleeding from the face he's got gauze on his arm it's just this he terrifies the shit out of his daughter. His hair, maybe, too. You know, I know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think he got flustered, too, when they were about to kill the sheriffs that were um, on the plane as well. And he tells Cyrus, he's like, hey, this is your barbecue, and it tastes good. <laughs> that was a good line. That was a good line. I like oh, my God, I can't do it. <laughs> but he's like, but you could see him in his seat. He was, like, like figuring out, like, how do I, like, how do, how do I, I save, save these, these guys? guys? How do I plant the tape on one of these guys? And he like, I, I think he was kind of flustered there too. But yeah, it's it's rare that yeah, it happens. But I yeah. think he's the most flustered when he th- he then sees his wife and his yeah. daughter at the very end. But. Yeah. Um, the other thing on my list was like uh, Ving Rhames is a member of the Black Gorillas, uh, Black Panthers. Like, come on. Um, he's portrayed as like super radical black activist that wants to kill Whitey, essentially. Uh, 
at one point, uh, one of the guards, you know, calls Dave Chappelle Negro and tells Baby O that his do rag has to go, homeboy. Uh, when Dave Chappelle lights uh, the Native American guy on fire, he says, "Sorry, Chief." Yeah. Before he whips out his chemicals, and then he's like, "Oh shit, the last Mohican's burning, man." And um, you know that happens. Uh, he says, "At first, I thought he was singing YMCA. Then the flames started." Uh, so there's <laughs> I didn't that. Catch that? Yeah, yeah. they call Dave Chappelle a two-bit Negro crackhead. Uh, Cyrus does. You know, of course, the Mexican is a rapist. At one point, Dave Chappelle was like, "Oh yeah, so and so happened," or as we say in Ebonics, we'd be fucked. Um, I think anybody would say that, but that's just me. Um, Dave Chappelle calls one of the dudes a honky. Uh, well, there's one, like white trash, trailer trash. Yeah, they say white like, trash, trailer trash, Nazi, white supremacist. They say all that other shit, neo-Nazi. Um, oh, there was, at one point, Baby O wants to get off because he needs his insulin at the first stop. And uh, Cyrus says, oh, one of my associates will grab a phone book and you can call the affirmative action office uh, when Baby O tries to get off the plane. And then uh, one of the when uh, Dave Chappelle's in the cockpit with Swamp Thing and Swamp Thing's pulling out the transponder, Dave Chappelle's like, oh, it's amazing the shit you white trash know. Yeah. So that's just like the short well, list. Well, there's like, I mean, when even when when Nicolas Cage's character confronts um, the the black militant guy, he says, like, you're taking orders from a white guy. Like, this doesn't seem right. And then he says, I can play house and then I'm going to, like, establish. And, like, his whole thing of, like, killing pigs and, like, the whole just associating the U.S. Marshals with being pigs. Like, it just all plays into a lot of stereotypes. Like, yeah. And I think that we were talking about the Sally Can't Dance character, and it kind of plays up that whole, like, I, what's the Adam Sandler movie when they're in prison? Like, The, the Longest Yard? Or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it just plays up, like, that whole, like, the, the femme, the femme and, uh, character yeah. of, like, that. And I think, like, that doesn't hold water in 2019 at all. Like, I think we agree that that character is completely unnecessary I don't in this know movie. Where that was at the first stop, right? Where yeah. the dude No, no, no he got plane. on on Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first stop. Yeah. Yeah, after yeah. So like that's when the new inmates arrived, like Swamp Thing got on. Right. But I feel like there's, I mean, there's so many stereotypes that are in this. Like when they're doing the cop chase, like all of a sudden a donut falls to the ground and then like (laughs) they start the cop chase. Like there's so many stereotypes that play into it. This movie is literally like the Street Fighter for criminals. Like every, every character in Street Fighter is like a a fucking stereotype. And like, I feel like that's this movie. I know this is a totally separate movie, but can we just talk about how Suicide Squad ripped off the dossier scene from this movie? Where they like name each bad guy one by oh, one, yeah. and then they bring out somebody yeah, in, in fucking like the straps. Like they bring out Killer Croc. See, just like I, they bring I really, out I'm, I'm with playing and Holly. I really liked how no, they liked did it. that. No, yeah. I liked it, I but it's just it. like it's just it funny was... to think about it because yeah. that's that's what I thought about when I yeah. saw it. I was like, Suicide Squad totally ripped this off. Yeah, like, I think yeah. no, Guardians. I think it was <laughs> I think it was so effective though. Like oh, I yes. love that part. It's like that was like this is him. Like and it kind of gives you their background, gives you their street cred, and then like you see them develop his character. Yeah. So I feel like it 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 portrayed its point and it was captivating and you're just like oh you're getting this introduction to these heavy criminals but it wasn't I don't know that, that yeah. was the only they're not going to be on the plane and be like I killed 37 people or I no, raped a, 23 women or I killed kids and women and or I caught my wife cheating and I killed her whole family like well I mean maybe he's the hero in this, this could have been a cool series though like yeah. if they would have delved into like each person's background and then. And then, like the end, so would the, like the movie is already two hours. Yeah, we don't. Think, no, no, I, Con Air series. Yeah, like so, Matt, Matt, just say, just say, Con take Air out that whole scene of them like going through each person. Instead, they they dive into each person, each character. 
well, in just an episode, like, and then towards the end, then they all get on the plane, and you all know the history. Well, it was uh, a good, uh, it was Netflix. a good character introduction, yeah, and it was well, like Netflix a good way of past then, eight yeah. to ten years of Nick no. Cage doing the Dear Casey letters. No, like, it was an effective use of character introduction without having to be them on an awkward conversation when they're in their cage. Like, oh, what are you in for? Oh, I'm in for this. Like, yeah. it kind of just gave you. Cliff it's the exposition, version. like, because yeah. you don't want you, you don't want the dialogue to be spouting yeah. exposition yeah. the entire time. I think I think it's effective. I just, you know, I just noticed right away that Suicide Squad ripped it off. Basically, is kind of what I was saying. But, yeah, well, but it, it, it works. Something because it was a terrible film. Wait, what? The Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> it was alright that was, was the right. best part of the movie alright anyway but yeah I got I got nothing else well man. no I was gonna say obviously to me I had problems with the female security guard I just I think the whole character in general it's just like that whole I now bring this up like women and characters in the mm. 90s there's like a direct juxtaposition between like the faithful wife and then like this woman security guard that needs men to like come in and save her even though she's a US marshal like she even in the scenes like she's like heavy makeup needs a man to come save her I thought she was pretty like fend for her own on the whole I mean you really think she no, needed but she was chained up like she was, of the yeah. she was no but she just like had but so to were the other other there's other security it wasn't guards. like it was just yeah. her they were all chained up but okay but I will I will say that I will agree with you but the part that bothered me the most about the female security guard is when she kisses him on the cheek at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that bad. didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen. Yeah. And I just thought, like, in a position of, like, a security, it just, it brings back the whole, like, women in cinema and, like, how even though she's, like, a tough-ass chick, she needs a convicted felon to protect her and she needs, you know, all this protection from men even though she's qualified to be there. Like, you saved my life? Do well, I Well, she couldn't just, you? like, fist bump him and be like, hey, solid, you protected me. But, like, it, the kiss on the cheek, I felt like, That's at the end, was much. just, like, it was uncomfortable and it was just, like... Dude, like... If you want to do that, then what you should do is, if that's a thing that would happen, that would only work, only work if Poe was, like, single and if she could at least have some sequences where she fended for herself, where they're equally as powerful of characters, I would say. Right. Where, where it's, like, a mutual thing. But this is just, like, thank you for saving me. I know you got a wife and kid, but I, I'm still going to kiss you because you're the hero. And I'm, I'm, I'm a female character, therefore I must show some sort of physical affection towards you, even right. though it's not completely warranted. Well, I'm saying, like, I feel like him and John Cusack's character, I the name escapes me, like, they had more of a connection. They had more of, like, a... Like a they had a bromance. They had a bromance for yeah. sure when they when they got on the motorcycles and looked at each other. But John Cusack oh didn't have the same departure from him. It was just kind of more so a nod of respect where I feel like in that position, like it should have been that from the security guard. Like she should have just given him like a, I acknowledge you and all you've done. Have a great life. I don't know. That just the whole the whole portrayal of it and the whole ending of it bothered me. Just the, the kiss mostly just yeah. kind of just gave me a rotten taste. No, I get you. Yeah, sorry. I think we're ready for uh, for ticket reviews. What do you guys think? Anyone got anything else? I have only one more thing. Here we okay. go. Go ahead. Ving Rhames dies on a fire truck wearing a fireman's outfit, which is what he wore in Mission Impossible. <laughs> um, also, he dies in speeding in a tunnel, much like the bad guy in Mission Impossible did. That's the only thing I have. Oh, also, Cameron Poe's name is very similar to Poe Dameron from Star Wars, The Force Awakens. So that's that's all I got. One, one thing I have too, um, con, I guess in French, means dumb people. So dumb people air. Well, his uh, name Cameron, Cameron Poe, it just means like a Poe person. Like No, but I mean like con. Con, con yeah, air. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, like dumb people air. That's all. I love it. 
<laughs> Solid point, Jason. Uh, in Spanish, con or con means with. So we could say with air. <laughs> Can we get to the goddamn rating right now? <laughs> okay, all right. So, Holly, how much are you paying to watch Con Air? I would give it $15. Wow. Yeah, buddy. All right. I'm cool you with You gave that. Forrest Gump 20 and you're giving this 15 I gave Forrest Gump 20, $33, okay? <laughs> Remember, 90s currency. Remember that. 90s currency. Yeah. No, I'd give it I'd give it a solid 15 I think, like, like we said, it doesn't hold water in 2019, and it's hard to compare it to like what we know now. But in 1997, for a two-hour movie, it flows. It's funny. It's got shtick. It's got character development. It has moments that make you think. Don't pick your head back up, Mugga. It's it's one of those movies. It flows. Like when I compare it to other action movies of that time, it's not as like eye rolling or grueling to get through. There's no extended action sequences where you're like, this should end. It's been going on too long. I I feel like it does its job of being entertaining. So. Fifteen. Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. All right. So, Bling, how much would you pay to watch Con Air? I actually agree with Holly. I would actually give this film 15 as well. Okay, I have a problem with that. Okay, <laughs> no. no, I have a problem with this because you gave $5 for Mission Impossible. Because Mission Impossible is trash. One of an iconic scenes in the Langley. Why. Wait, you gave Bumblebee 10 also. Yeah, and you're giving this $15. And here's why. Okay, okay. here we go. So $15. So here are my four pillars that make, makes a good film. Okay. A, can you recommend the film? B, can you watch it again even today? I could do none of that. Three, would you buy the DVD or Blu-ray? Over three. Okay. And then four, were you entertained? I'll give it the one out of four. So you were entertained. All four pillars. So now. Do you own this movie? I actually wouldn't yes. buy it yeah. though. I mean, I rented it on Amazon. Wow. I mean, you gave Mission Impossible five. Mission Impossible is trash. Uh, but, but also compared in the scope that there's been like I said Mission Impossible is different because there's more than one film in the Mission Impossible series and when you compare it to those films it was terrible um, and also I, I explained it in my, in my review I said it was hard to explain so, no, you're, no it's your review I, I just don't get okay alright All right. so 15, 15 and you just don't agree right yeah. I don't much. yeah I don't I'm yeah. surprised that's cool uh, I'm gonna pay 10 uh, I'll pay ten dollars for it. Like it's a solid movie. Uh, I really enjoy it. You know, it's just pure fun '90s spam, if you will. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna pay ten. Yeah, Jason, how much would you pay to watch Con Air? Well, like Cameron Poe says, "Well, baby, oh, it's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee here, but let's do it." <laughs> um, I think. Uh, I can't uh, do it. What does he say? So it's right before, um, so he gets the syringe out of the fire truck. Yeah. And he's about to start, he sees, because I think they're starting to do um, the boneyard scene where they're like, they're shooting at the military coming through. Mm -hmm. And so like, he's about to run through. I think he jumps into the police car at that point. You remember the scene I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Well, right before all that starts, he's like crouching behind, I think either the tractor or something. And he's like, (laughs) he just says it to no one. He just says it out loud. Well, baby O, it's not my So there's time. no baby O, they're just, he's just saying it to no he's one? Just, well, yeah, because he has a syringe now. He's going to go save baby O's life. Oh. But he's just saying it. It's uh, not all what? It's not all my ties and Yahtzee. But let's do it. Mm. Does that change your rating, Kerwin? <laughs> you go I want to go to 15 now. Jesus. <laughs> so me, so when I think about this movie, I think about other Nick Cage movies, especially Face Off, because it came out same year or around the same time. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 15. I'm going to go 15 just because I I do like the action. I do like the cast. I think the cast is is an all-star cast. Um, The one-liners, I mean, 
They're amazing. Uh, Debatable. Uh, I, I kind of want to give it a 15. I like, I like John Malkovich. <laughs> you want to give it a 15. I, I think Nick Cage did a great job. I don't know. There's something about it where it's one of those movies where it's like you're, it's on a Saturday or Sunday and it comes on. Like I, I'm going to sit there and watch, watch the rest it, yeah. of it. Yeah. You know what? Curran's gonna change. Curran's gonna change. <laughs> All right, Curran. Before it goes to Migs, you gotta you can you can change it. I don't know who the hell Migs is. I know who. Yeah, Migs. Dude. I'll let you do it if you wanna. Give it a twelve fifty. Can be the first no, you, one you to change. No, you gotta be a ten. You gotta you can be, be the 10 or first one to change. <laughs> mid. If I could change, and you could change. Best speech ever, yeah. Rocky no, Four. Are you doing it you or can not? Leave it. You can. I mean, no, I'm gonna leave it as a ten. I'm okay. leave it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go fifteen. Well, and, considering uh, you gave Forrest Gump a 15, if you gave this a 15... This so, movie's entertaining, though. Mm. Hey. So, Kurt, so what's the score? No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, what's that? Uh, 15, 15, 15. No, 15. What'd you give it? 15? 15 as well. Okay, yes. so we got a 45 <laughs> plus four 10. Numbers. Yeah, so 50 divided by 4. What's that, Mug? 50, it's 55. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not a math teacher. Yeah, you're not. Okay. okay. Mugs, well, how much would you pay? Thanks, Paul. Thank you guys, for coming out. I you appreciate guys, it. And... Uh, <laughs> You guys keep saying like, oh, it is, it's good for what it is. And I, I really, compared to all the other 90s action, like the things that we had with Tom Cruise, Schwarzenegger, I mean, even the stuff that Nick Cage does, I just don't see it. I don't understand why you put this. It is what it is. I don't, I don't think I it's think up there, you know? The movie. But you guys keep saying, oh, it's good You're for what it is. You're comparing it to like other things. Like we're comparing it for what it is. Like, yeah. I just I disagree. I, I have to give it All a right. five. I mean, even John Cusack says he took the role for money. Like John Malkovich says, I regret doing. I mean, these are people that are in the movie. Like they don't think highly of it. And yeah, but he wants to come back and do a sequel. Well, he needs money. What's what's he done lately? So give him more money and raise that ticket <laughs> I, price. I have to give it a five. I have to give it a five. Are you fucking shit? Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't even think this is like. Mother, a, do, you, do you have Con Air in your DVD collection? I do not. Really? I do not. No, no okay. I do not. I, and I have. National Treasure, and I'm not a. I, I love. A, I'm. I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. I love Face Off. I even like The Family Man. I even have that movie. It's a good movie. What? But like, I. I don't like Con Air. I think it's stupid. It's not a good '90s film I feel like action. City of Angels. It's, it's. It's okay. You know. I mean, it's okay. But it's just like this sucks. And like the one, like, like the people that are in it don't like it. I mean, some of them don't like it. Like, well, we can. You, how do you guys like it? Okay. I feel like you guys like it because I hate it, and it's just no, like no, no, we're trying no, no, to balance. I, I actually do like this movie. Actually, really? I actually do like this movie. Yeah. I, okay, That's why anyways. I was shocked when I heard you know, prior to doing this this podcast, we were like, oh. You you hate the film? I, yeah, like, I was surprised what? that you really. Didn't yeah. like I feel like you I, would be the number one advocate. I love The Rock. I love The Rock. I love Face Off. Gone in sixty seconds is great. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, all these things. It's not like a, his accent, the 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 one liners, this the story. I, I don't know. But I when just, you compare Nick Cage's acting in Con Air to Nick Cage's acting in Gone in sixty seconds, you really think this is that bad? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. That bad. That bad, just in general. I have to give it a five. Okay, okay so I love a, Gone in 60 Seconds, but I you do. really think that his acting in this is way worse than that, than Gone in 60 Seconds. It's okay, accent. here's my thing. We we keep saying one-liners, and you guys are laughing when you're trying to just get the one-liner out. Meaning, deep down, you're like, yeah, it's not that good no, either. That's not like, what I mean. No, no it's, it's, it's indirectly just, is what it's you're the, saying. It's like the, the campiness of it. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't say that, hey, Con Air is a great film because of Nicolas Cage. So you guys all give it 15. Yeah, Tim uh, here. I it's like, a great 10. film, not just I because it's Nick Cage and Nick, Nick Cage is in the film. It's just a great film because 
It's an over-the-top yeah, action sure. film. But I feel like there are... The 90s. There are like, but I think there are over-the-top action films in the 90s that are far better than this. Okay, so... And they're probably 15s or 20s. So yeah, yeah I don't give that. I'm not giving this a 15 thing. or 20, I think, you know? Like, I'm, I'm giving it a 10. You know, it's not an incredible film. Yeah. But it's like, it knows what it is, and it isn't trying to be anything more. And I think that's why this movie succeeds. It's just and supposed it's to be. In its, lane. it's peak '90s action, testosterone, yeah. bullshit fields. Like, but movie. I feel like there are and movies they, that they do that it. that are way better than this. And you know, I I would agree with you. Like no, Top like, Gun. Top Gun is what you're talking about, and I don't think this is at all anywhere near Top Gun status. Well, Days of Thunder. I think this movie is way more excessive in that. Like it embraces the camp to a point where it just puts on a show and it just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think I think and they're gonna movie, give it. Yeah, okay, I'll give it I a ten. It. Yeah, right, like I think right. I I think it's entertaining, but I know it's not like Oscar worthy. I know it's not. And I I disagree with you guys on when Oscars. you're sitting on a couch on a Saturday. This is not something. If this is on, I am not watching it. Like I just do not. I know. And I love The Rock. I love The Rock. You yeah. know, but yeah, this is yeah. I, I get, I get. This is Con Air. I'm surprised what we were doing the last hour and a half. So five dollars for Mugga. So five dollars. It's a total of sixty. If you divide that by five, we got a twelve dollar rating. I cannot believe this is happening. It's a double digit movie. Twelve dollars for Con Air. Wow. I like that. I do not like that. How I don't get how. I'm okay. Well, I'm okay with that. Score. I'm cool with that. I'm okay. okay with that. I, I'm not gonna lie. It, like, it agrees be, with the audience. It you does. said it was around sixty percent, which is right around there. Well, no, audience had it seventy five percent. So. We're a little, Here we're we a little go. More. The other thing too, like I will say, like I'm actually surprised you guys gave it 15s. I'm not like I'm not saying. Thank it's like, you. Like, no, I would have. I would have. Like, if you guys said tens, it is what it is. And then I'm like, okay, I understand. I, I can't give it that. But you guys went 15. I mean, I, it's I just, one. I will defend it because I think, like Kerwin says, it knows it's cheesy. Like there are so many stereotypes that are fulfilled in it. It's almost making fun of itself. Mm. So in those scenes where you're like cringing, where you're like, oh, this is so like Nick Cage and his like his one liners, like this isn't my ties or whatever. It knows it's being silly. It knows it's being campy like and I think it embraces it but you kind of roll your eyes but the movie keeps going I mean Jason we watched this like three weeks ago and I looked over at you when something would happen that way Cyrus dies or these one-liners and you just would just would bust up laughing as if like yeah you're right but I don't care I'm gonna own it like it's just like how because that's exactly how I feel I feel like the movie knows what it's doing and it's owning the shit out of it I think they know like hey like this action movie we're gonna go over the top Nick Cage Alabama accent, perfect. And it's just like, my only gripe with that, my only gripe with that is that Nick Cage took his accent seriously. <laughs> That's I, think I, I really that, think he did. Yeah. No, yeah. He took his character he seriously. Took his character very seriously, and I kind of want to just be like, just reel it in a little bit, man. Well, it's one thing if a movie tries to be serious, and then it's just like, wow, they try like too hard. It's like, no, no, they know what they're doing. Like, hey, yeah. we're gonna do an over-the-top action film. We're gonna be goofy as fuck. And they do it. Yeah. yeah. You can have some explosions. And they own, they own the shit hey, of it. And they do a good job. It's your rating. You get to do whatever you want. You know, I just... Thank uh, you. I know it. All right. Yeah. So, Mugga, who is Tom Cruise playing in this movie? So, I, I, that's a good question. And I would love to bring that up. I definitely think he could not be Nicolas Cage's character. I, I just... There's no way. It has to be Nick Cage. I think you go back and forth, whether it's either John Cusack's, which I still, still think it's still a little... PG is for a Tom. He's got to be Cyrus the Virus. I no. think. I mean, what else? What other character can he be on this thing? Just wait till it gets to me, and yeah. I'll tell you. All right, go ahead. I, I think he's got to be Cyrus the Virus. All right, Jason, who's Tom Cruise in this movie? Oh my God, that's such a tough question. Um, this is a stacked cast. 
Yeah, it is. With great physiques. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) Great physiques. Um, John Cusack's a good one. Cyrus is a good one. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I always go back to... uh, uh, to Tropic Thunder when he played the the agent, yeah. right? It's just such a weird character for him to play. Like, what if uh, this is like dumb? And I, you, none of you are gonna agree with me on this. But what if he played Garland Green? What if he did? I actually totally agree. That's what, what if he I played, was gonna say? What if he played a Garland? Like just something off the wall you would not expect. Couldn't recognize him. Different. Like face makeup and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like what if he did that? That wouldn't be so much of a stretch because he's crazy. That's interesting. I'm trying to go. I'm trying that's, to go away from the obvious. No, you're right. I'm trying right, to go away from right. the obvious picks and pick someone different. But I'm just thinking, like, whenever we do this part, I always think of Tropic Thunder. I always think of that, and I'm like, yeah. man, he played such a weird character. Like he could literally be, like, a supporting character. And like, mm. what if he played like a Garland, a Garland Green character outside of Cyrus and and and, uh, and Cusack's character. Okay. Yeah. So I'll pick yeah. that. I'll pick that. All right. I'm gonna go with John Cusack's character. Like, I'm gonna just pick the obvious choice because I think this man, but John Cusack's so good. Like, John Cusack runs a lot. Like he, <laughs> that is true. That yeah, is true. he runs a lot. Of the I, movie. I, I mean, maybe I would say the other guy. What's I forgot the other agent, the That's DEA. What I, was gonna, I was gonna say Duncan Malloy. Yeah, Malloy. I would say Malloy. See, I thought you were gonna go with Steve Buscemi's character, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, you're really gonna go yeah, there. So, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, what's his name, Vincent. Uh, uh, Duncan Malloy. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan Malloy or John Cusack's character. So I'm gonna go with one of those two. Uh, Bling, what about you? I was gonna say Garland Green and. When I think of like that character, him, Tom Cruise playing a crazy person, I, I immediately think of like his interview with Oprah, when he's just like jumping on the, the couch and he's got this weird grin and he's just trying to like deflect the question. Such a great moment in Hollywood, huh? <laughs> That's what I would think he would portray uh, on uh, what do you call it, the Garland Green character. So yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Holly. I was I was gonna say Duncan Malloy, the DEA agent, because I felt like I love John Cusack in his role, and it's like a little bit beneath him. But I felt like if you had somebody with like Tom Cruise's, I guess, credentials behind it, physique. like it would have made it, his physique, especially, um, it would have made just like a better dynamic of like having Tom Cruise kind of be the bad guy and kind of being the guy that's opposing John Cusack. You know, like putting the gun in the guy's sock or like opposing him at every touch point. I felt like that would have been a really yeah. good dynamic. What if he played Steve Buscemi's character? No, but How I think that creepy was would that I think have that been? Was written Didn't for you Steve just Buscemi. say that? Jason like, said that. Oh, wait, that's Garland Green? Green. Oh, I'm, oh I'm thinking of the other guy with the beard. Why am Thank I getting this back to I'm way off then, yeah. You're thinking of Swamp Thing. No, yeah, I you're think, right, okay. No, if he was Steve, I think the, the part was written for Steve Buscemi, and Steve Buscemi has crazy eyes, crazy teeth. Like, he's he owns that role. I know, like I said, because this is something we always talk about in each episode. Right. And I'm like, always trying to think outside the box. Like, I don't want to pick the obvious character, and I just feel like, yeah. again, the Tropic Thunder. Well, thing. I thought like, Tom Cruise could play Forrest Gump's mom, so. What? I get you. Oh, yeah, she did say that. Yeah, she hated Sally Field that much. But no, that's, I love that's, Sally Field, but... Go listen to that episode, yeah. guys. Um, no, but I, I, I just think that part was written for Steve Buscemi, and, like, you can just... Yeah. Like, he owns that role. Oh, he does. Oh, well, yeah, of course. All right, so... Uh, $12, wow. You don't think that's cool? Hey, it is. It, it agrees with audience it's and 60%. critics. Yeah. It's yeah. actually below the audience. That's, yeah. like, a normal ticket price nowadays. It's, like, nowadays. slightly above the critics. Like, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. All right, so... Which is low. I mean, where do you rank this as Nicolas Cage films? Uh, probably top five for me. There's not five that you can put up over it. <laughs> I think Connor would round out the top five for sure. Totally it, would, it would be fifth. 
But wow. I, I think I think I don't know. Even Matchstick Man is a. I love is a great the, oh, the look of distaste on Lugo's face right now. Movie. If you guys could see this, it's just like just he's just. Like, I mean, Bangkok Dangerous. Don't you put that up there? A, that's a pretty good movie. I gotta see that one again. But I don't think I don't that's know. top five though. Yeah, oh, definitely not. Never I gotta see that one again though. All right. Well, so I guess we're signing off and. Fuck you, Sally. Nick Cage. Thanks for listening to this episode of Twenty Dollar Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening.